0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Glad you have found the time to join us. We appreciate your time. If you have not looked at the top twenty fives, I suggest you not go there anytime soon. We will ease you into the mass destruction that is the top twenty fives in Division Three men's basketball. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome into the show. We got a good one packed up tonight. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're also on Instagram at d3hoopsville there as well. However, we don't check it during the show. I apologize now. Get that out of the way as, as quickly as we can. Um, if you've got questions, we want to hear them tonight. Uh, I can tell you that for sure. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. The top 25 destruction, 14... Of the men's top 25 preseason picks, have lost already. The first ballot comes out, the new in-season top 25 comes out tomorrow. I've already seen one poster who's tweeted how he's thrown out three versions of his top 25 already. Can't say I blame him. I can't say I blame him at all. Um, Understandable by my token, to say the least. Hey, Dane McKee. Thanks for joining in, sir. I will be talking to you quite a bit here in my crossover season continues. We'll talk a little bit about the Hoopsville schedule coming up. Um, We're going to have a little bit of twists and turns with that, as I am still in the neck deep in fall sports. Um, But again, top 25, 14 of the 25 have lost. That doesn't even go into how many of top 25 voters' teams have also lost, potentially, or minus or plus on top of that. Because we have a number of teams who've lost who received votes, too. Of the top 25, Oshkosh, we talked about losing to Wheaton. Um, Augustana lost to Louris, uh earlier this week. Actually, earlier this weekend. Whitman lost in a crazy game. Double overtime to Pomona-Pitzer last night. 112-109. Pomona-Pitzer, folks. Whitman couldn't get it done. We already knew MIT had lost to Endicott. Whitworth Lost this weekend to Texas-Dallas. It looks like if you get into Whitworth's uh, bench, you could maybe beat Whitworth. Three players for the Pirates fouled out of that contest. Springfield has now lost twice, though I'm not bl- so shocked by that. We kind of knew that. Ohio Wesleyan and Claremont Mudd-Scripps. It, it not, when you have Ross out, that isn't the surprising thing. Uh, Platteville has lost twice. St. John's and then Simpson tripped him up earlier this week. Johns Hopkins has now lost twice. We already knew about that. Of course, New Jersey City, we knew about that. Illinois Wesleyan, I'm sorry, correction, Emory lost today to Randolph-Macon. Oh, by the way, Randolph-Macon is 7-0 to start this season. Uh, I mentioned Illinois Wesleyan mistakenly. They did not lose. John Carroll just lost today. Christopher Newport beat them 109-73. Maryville has now 1-3 to start the season. St. Olaf the news here is they won. St. Olaf actually ended a four-game slide to start the season by beating Oglethorpe 65-56. Uh, nope, that was Maryville. Uh, beat Bethany Luther, and I apologize, 81-68. 0-4 to start the season with losses to Eau Claire, Stevens Point, Whitworth, George Fox. For the most part, as we said on the last show, not the end of the world. St. John's lost to Whitewater. And then if you get into the receiving votes category, Hope has lost twice. Roanoke has lost twice. Letourneau lost three times, including Wheaton beating them this weekend. St. Thomas has lost. Wash U has lost twice. Cabrini has lost twice. Franklin and Marshall twice. Wesleyan twice, including today to Eastern Connecticut. Eastern Connecticut is the cat killer in men's and women's basketball. Hint, hint. We'll cover that in a minute. Hanover lost to Worcester. Bethel has lost twice. Claremont-Mudd-Scripps has lost twice. Uh, Keene State has lost twice. Ohio Northern twice. Salem State four times And Yeshiva is off to an 0-4 start, though, again, they were only getting one vote. If you didn't keep track of that, don't worry. Neither are the top 25 voters who are looking at their ballot today with absolute chaos. Quickly on the women's side, the only one that really matters in this conversation is that Amherst ended a 66-game winning streak with a loss to, we mentioned them earlier, Eastern Connecticut. They lost on their last time out, but also, Trine has lost, George Fox Messiah Illinois Wesleyan twice. uh DePaul lost twice including Rose Holman. Wartburg has lost once, Marymount has lost twice. We talked about that last time. Wash U's off to a 2 and 2 start. Gettysburg lost to Messiah early on. Whitewater has lost, Montclair has state has lost and Randolph-Macon's lost. That's I believe 12 of their tw- top 25. Uh Wheaton, Oglethorpe, Ithaca, Rochester who's off to an 0 oh four start. Rose Holman 2 and 3. But I win over to Paul. Gustavus Adolphus, Chapman, no, not Chapman, FDU Florham, which no surprise, Calvin three times, Whitman twice, Trinity, Texas has lost, Albright's a three and three start, Emery's at three and two, Murray, uh, Marietta at three and one, New Jersey's uh, NJC, or NJN, TCNJ, that's what I'm getting at, TCNJ, uh, one and three start. So both top 25s. Through destruction. Now, you could argue, okay, we've gone a little bit longer with our top 25 before we vote, voting after Thanksgiving, and we had an earlier start. Yes and no. When you look at the numbers and how many games have been played, that doesn't necessarily equal out, but it certainly is something you can certainly consider. Um, But all in all, absolute craziness. We will talk to Loras' men's basketball coach coming up here shortly about their win over Augustana. Just a little too quick to try and turn around Pomona-Pitzer with their win over Whitman, and a little too quick to pull off some of the other upsets. We will certainly be talking to a lot of teams in the future of Hoopsville here this season. It's all about parity. We've said that. Now, what I would say is I thought some of these top teams would be great and maybe wouldn't take losses until they faced basically themselves. That isn't panning out. We're still seeing that second tier and even third tier is good enough or not scared to go up against everybody else. So, fascinating start. So, Loris' men's basketball coach will be on the show. Also, Bob Quillman will be on the show. He will join us to talk about the Central Region and the rest. And then hanging out on the uh, in-studio, believe it or not, he is here. There he is, is, Mr. Sam Sam Atkinson, Associate Athletics Athletics Director at at Gallaudet. Gallaudet. Uh, for communications, communications, we should point out out. and And the the men's basketball basketball committee committee chair, chair. Sam Sam is is in in studio. He will be answering your questions. Yes. I said in studio last time that happened, Gordon Mann and Ryan Scott were here uh, as we whipped around division three in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Sam will answer your questions. Talk about the first, um, year he is chair Uh, third year. He's on the committee. Talk about some of the changes, um, some of the new committee members. We have three new com- committee members this year, and some other details. And again, asking, answering your questions. Again, you can email us at D3 Hoopsville, or that's your Twitter account, D3 Hoopsville, or hoopsville at D3 Hoops.com. So there you go. Lots to get through. And, and again, this is what's fun about Division three basketball. And here's the difference. You know, another thing about voting this week. And A lot of people are like, well, if you put out a ballot last week, no, we still would have had this result. We still would have all these teams' losses. This week's ballot would be just that more difficult. Um, I'm trying to see if in my ballot there's anybody else who I had included who took some losses. Uh, No, so I think I'm on about the same par for everybody else here. I have Nazareth at 25, and I think they're actually off to a decent start. So there you go. Uh, I think we've kind of broken it down as best we can. And we hope we'll hear from you um, throughout the show. Some other things to, to look at, certainly, is some of these teams, we, we talk about the losses. There's certainly some teams who are off to tremendously good starts. Again, Randolph-Macon is off to a 7-0 and start. And a lot of teams are going to end up playing a lot of their season before we take a break for the Christmas holiday. That's another kind of interesting dynamic that we're seeing this year don't know if it's just a quirk of the calendar or not um but we're going to see teams maybe with a couple of weeks there where they're they're kind of steady not playing any games and we're going to be sitting there trying to vote in comparison to them oh it's nice the wife is watching on facebook hello wife um and uh if you've got questions for us again Tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. There's also a chat room via the YouTube page if you happen to be on it. I uh, see there's a number of you on the show, and we appreciate you taking the time to do that, which means you're either listening to the show uh, while you are watching some football tonight or you've decided to sans the football, and in that case, I am deeply honored. But on that note, want to congratulate uh, the eight teams that have moved on in the Division I football championships. Uh, you may be surprised in one corner. It's RPI versus Johns Hopkins. Yeah, no one saw that one coming. Uh, congratulations to two very brainiac-type schools to having really good football programs. They'll be facing off in Baltimore next weekend. Uh, of course, go to D3Football.com to keep track of all that. Nothing's changed in in soccer because I didn't play the championships this past weekend. I will be out of town this upcoming weekend to take care of those things. Um, all the semifinals and championships taking place in Greensboro, North Carolina. We are still working, and here's the schedule. We're still working on what we're going to do with the ske- with uh, Hoopsoul. Right now, the plan is probably not to do a show midweek this week, mainly because of the amount of time it's going to take. And I will be on the road Thursday, so as we did last year, we pre-taped the show. But the amount of time to do that while also prepping for soccer and some other responsibilities I have may not be the smartest course. Here's the other caveat. We're not going to get back in town to do a show a week from tonight. So we are looking to maybe do a show a week from tomorrow. Uh, that would be December 3rd in the evening. But we, you need to stick with us on Twitter and everywhere else to know for sure if that is indeed the plan. Hope you followed. By the way, it, the incredible thing about the win over Loris, and we'll talk about this, over Loris over Augustana, I should say, is... How it finished. Uh, First off, Augustana went for the foul on a layup that would have won it, which sent their guy to the line after a long delay of timeouts and such. Basically shot it with one-tenth of a second. I don't remember seeing anybody on the line. What's odd about that is I'm pretty sure they're required to do it, but the still picture that Loris has on their website shows nobody uh, in the free-throw lane for those free-throws. One of those quirks, as it were. A uh, quick story before we take a break. Uh, I had an interesting day this weekend. I was at Navy for uh, a broadcast. I broadcast women's basketball against Penn. Great honor to do those things. If you don't know and behind the scenes, I am a broadcaster. Uh, and do a lot of broadcasting in the mid-Atlantic region for a number of schools. I had a very weird day kind of d3 day first off if you don't know coach pemper for navy is Bowden's former coach she led Bowden to its um success Bowden could become the new number one team in all of the land in the d3hoops.com top 25 on monday uh that's kind of reminiscent back to what coach pemper had led them to i think it was something like six straight elite eights while she was there seven straight sweet 16s Doing very well at Navy, considering they, they just lost to Penn. So there's your one little D3 moment. And then took a, a, a moment before the games to go and get something to eat. And uh, <laughs> this gentleman walks up and says, hey, are you Dave McHugh and are you with D3 Hoops? Okay, well, my name's on my badge. So I figured, yeah, so he probably knows my name. The D3 Hoops threw me and also threw the Navy personnel who are near me. Turns out he's a coordinator of officials in the area. He's also the rules writing editor for the NCAA. And he and I got into a long conversation about Division III. Uh, we may have him on a future show when rule changes are back into the conversation, which we certainly will. We're, in, we're ending a rule cycle, so next year we'll be entering a rule cycle. And At this time, we start hearing about the rules that they kind of are bandying about, about whether they'll use. So that was another D3 moment. Then I'm talking at the end of the broadcast to the University of Maine broadcaster who was in town for the other game that was taking place as part of the uh, classic event, and I mentioned where I was from, and he pointed out there was a player on the floor from from that area. Oh, that's nice. And so that got us into a conversation. Hey, do you know Ashley Marble, who's from my, my general area of Maine? Really, pretty much my area of Maine. Her mother was the uh, principal at the elementary school around the corner from my parents' house. And he goes, yeah, Gary Fifield's right over there. Points to the bench for University of Maine, and there's Gary Fifield, the former Southern Maine head coach, sitting on the bench, as the assistant for the University of Maine, he got he joined the program late in, uh, in the process. They had lost an assistant coach, called Gary, said, what are you up to? Uh, as Gordon Mann said, he doesn't really know how to do retired. <laughs> and so Gary uh, was on the main bench. I went over and said hi. It was great to see him. He looked great, by the way, folks. And, yeah, I can see why retirement doesn't suit him. He looked very happy and content on the bench. So I got to watch a little bit of the beginning of that game before I left in a downpour. But really weird D three life there at Navy, but Navy's also part of the Patriot League. And we've talked on the air before about how the Patriot League, Bucknell is a great example of that. Former Chicago head coach, head of women still, former Randolph Macon coach, still head of the men's program at Bucknell. Patriot League's very much a division three type league in division one, the scholarships being the lone exception. So really fun to say the least. Uh, Pat Huntson, at the end of the Loris Augie game, when DeCannio De was fouled at the end of the game, the only reason .01 was on the clock was to get the red lights off the backboard. Oh! It was actually officially 0.0 seconds remaining, hence nobody lined up. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. That makes total sense. Sometimes these systems, uh, Sam can probably know because he runs these systems at Gallaudet. Um, sometimes when there's when it lights up zeros, you can't get the lights off, and you don't want the lights behind the backboard to distract the shooter. So .01 makes sense. Thank you, Pat. That makes total logical sense. I did not watch it live. uh, So I didn't know the explanation for that. But that makes 10 times more sense. And that's how you can interact with us and ask us questions, folks. Thank you, Pat, for your assistance on that. Real quick check to see if there's any... uh, um, Speaking of Southern Maine, St. Joe's of Maine pulling away from Southern Maine. Uh, Not surprising. St. Joe's of Maine is a pretty good basketball team, to say the least. We'll check our email to see if there's any questions and then we'll check oh it turns out my wife's not watching the show oh hello my aunt bj is my son is watching the show hi andy you do realize buddy this studio is going to be your home soon because you will be the producer extraordinaire eventually on this program and with that we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to get into the upsets loris men's basketball upsetting augustana their head coach who certainly knows a little bit of a few things of central basketball. Their head coach Chris Martin will join us. You're listening to Hoopso, presented by D3Hoops.com, from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopso when we return.
1: I did receive a non athletic
0: scholarship
2: upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three.
3: I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized.
2: It's a great experience for me.
4: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander to step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To To stop stop sexual assault. assault.
5: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've
3: got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, Believe it or not, things are still working. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. If you've got questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, you can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Lots to discuss, and upsets are the common conversation in our neck of the woods these days. As we said, 14 of the Division III men's top 25 have lost. I think it's somewhere about 12 on the women's top 25 have lost so far this season. We have a new ballot coming out, which will be nice next on Monday to kind of reset things. However, for us voters, it's not going to be as fun. However, one of the teams that I'm quite positive is going to jump into the top 25, not only because they're already receiving votes to begin with, but they've already had a strong start to the season, and they have the win over number 3 Augustana. It is Loris The Dew Hawks, and joining us via Skype on the Hoopswell Hotline, it is Chris Martin. And sir, thanks for taking the time. And
5: sir, thanks for taking
0: the time. Dave, thanks for having me. I'm pumped, man. Absolutely, I appreciate it as always. So, first and foremost, I know you wanted a strong start to the season, but were you really expecting to have that strongest start to the season?
1: Man, that's a tough question. I, I think we all hope for it, whether the expectation is there or not. I think we tell our guys do, and we, we, we want to compete in games like that, we want to play games like that. Like, 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 like. Games like games that, like I that, think. Yeah, um, as um, the game, as got, the game going got going on, and even before, before that, that, to be honest yeah, with you, yeah. as we do the scouting report and start watching them, and we look at where we're at as a group um, after you schedule, because this, you know, scheduling-wise, you know takes care of itself about six months ago. You start to look in the mirror and say, like, "All right, we got a good team. We're playing okay. You know, this fits us really well because, you as you know, games, uh, basketball is about matchups. I'm like, we match up really well." Um, uh, my assistant Gabe Miller did an awesome job on the scout. We, we felt like we we're in a good spot and we kind of looked in the mirror, like we got a chance at this thing. And we go in and we, we knew in the first five minutes, Augustana is always, as you know, awesome. And they're always physical and huge and tough and playing the CCAW. And we knew if we come out, we play physical and tough and, and we rebound the basketball, we're going to be okay. And, you know, the first three, four or five possessions we came out. We were tough, and we kind of looked at each other, and said, "Okay, we're gonna be all right. It's gonna be a good game, high-level game, uh, national tournament-type game." And and luckily, we had the ball at the end of the game, um, and we were able to make that play. And you know, who knows if that had gone one more possession, if they would have made a play and they would have won. But luckily, we had it, and and Ryan made a couple free throws, and we're on the good end of the side, good good end of the stick. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. We're ready to go.
0: Yeah, great to say the least. Uh, you got to win over Augustana, number three team in the country. Again, you guys went in with confidence. You knew that you needed to play well to have confidence. You kept it up, and obviously they came back at you. Was there any point in that game, especially in the second half, you felt, you know, maybe maybe we're not going to have the guns necessarily to be able to to withstand what is a a very talented Augustana squad?
1: Yeah, you know, they made a run. I think they, they gapped it to four or six points, maybe a couple different times early in the second half. And we knew we we knew we just had to make a couple plays. And the plays weren't going to be us you know, calling a play for a shot. Because against Augustine, that's not going to happen. We're not going to run a play and get Josh Ruggles a shot. We're not going to run a play and get Jordan Boyd a, a post-up. Guys are going to have to run some stuff, run some offense, and we're going to have to have guys make good decisions to put us in a situation where, you know, like I said, it's not us calling something. It's them putting themselves in situations to get advantage and make plays. And luckily, having a senior-laden team, having a bunch of older guys, They took the reins, and they weren't looking at the bench. They said, hey, I get advantage here. I'm going to make a play. And luckily, we kept it close and took the lead for a little bit. And then down the stretch, we held the lead for most of the game until uh, most of the second half until – um, the last couple minutes and then they got us up. They got up by a point. Like I said, we made a play or two down the stretch. And so uh, give the guys credits for making plays. You know, as a coach, you would love to be in a situation where you're dictating the game and and you feel good about calling this play and you know who's going to get a shot and you call this play and you do this. But at the end of the day, high level games, the players have to make plays, you know, as a coaching staff. We try to prepare them in, in practice and we do a ton of situation work. It's a big part of our program, but at the end of the day, the guys got to get out there and do it. It's really proud of this group that they got out there and did that. And, and it's something we've maybe been missing in the past, but now we're an older group and hopefully we can grow and learn from this win. And, and it didn't take the loss for us to, you know, learn from it and, and, and grow. So that's the game plan, but we're, we're happy we're four and and we're happy we're heading a big rival game coming up. and, And overall, things are good. But we're still humble. We understand we're, you know, half a second uh, against St. Scholastica when he didn't play great, but we found a way to win. And three seconds left, and Ryan split the defense. We're close to – we're three and a half seconds away from being two and two.
3: And we understand
1: that.
0: You also had – Sorry, I was going to say, you we also had some we got crazy. Those you know, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Stepping on each other a little bit, a little <laughs> disadvantage of technology. Uh, you've also had uh, up and down no, games. You, you mentioned no, the uh, Saints-Galaska game, 81-80. No, you played Olivet, you, 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 who's a pretty good darn team out of the MIAA. Yes, Prick to finish third, yeah. but, yeah. but third. Uh, let's be honest, they they were one of the top two teams in that, in that conference. yep. That one had to be maybe that helpful going into that Augustana is, team because again, I'll squad we could be care. talking Augusta about with the, NCAAs, swat, in the our, NCAA's in the future.
1: Yeah, without question, I'll bet individually they're as good as anybody we're going to face. Not that we don't face good teams. You know, Nolan Evil's an awesome player, and, and we're going to face some great players for Nebraska westland But individually, they had two or three guys that are just about as good as it gets. And we knew that if we had to defend them one on one, we had to give help from different sides, and that. That all kind of came together. We played Saint Scholastica, who's a well-coached team who plays the team, and individually they might not be as strong as some of the teams are in play. However, as a group, they do stuff, and so scheduling's really worked out for us so far. Knock on wood, um, that it's prepared us for the next game really well. And so that Olivet game, like I said, they're a tournament team, and we we ramped up our schedule knowing that they were going to be a better team um, than than they have been in you know the past three or four years because of what they did last year. And luckily, it, it's kind of you know, fed into our hands, getting prepared for this next game.
0: Let's take one more step back before we go forward. You started the season against Greenville. Greenville. Uh, at least you had eight days between um, that one and the saints Stating. Scholastica game, maybe to get Six. Greenville out of your system. Yeah. Pun intended. 147-129. Uh, interesting Pun start to your uh, season. Interesting
1: start to your season. Yeah, you know what? Greenville is another thing. that They're they're going to maybe be a tournament team. They're picked to win the SLIAC, which is not, maybe not necessarily – Traditionally a strong uh, league, however, you know they won a bunch of games last year. They had Augie on the ropes, if you remember, in the national tournament. I think they were beating it for almost 34, 35 minutes, and and we knew that was going to give us fits, but we could grow from that game. You know, we turned over way too much. However, we knew if after the game we said, okay, we turned it over too much. They pressured us. It was a weakness. Let's work on it. Let's grow. And and then Olivet kind of did the same thing. And so we've kind of worked on those things, and it's and it's kind of like I said, fed into our hands in the sense that. You know, there's things that we weaknesses that we've luckily been able to win these games yet still have glaring weaknesses and be able to work on them and still grow from them. And so, you know, like I said, Coach Barber, at, at Greenville, I hope and I think that they're going to win a lot of games. Same thing, with Olivet. They've done a great job. I think they're going to win a bunch of games. Obviously, Olivet's going to win a bunch of games. St. Scholastica pick top, you know, I think third or fourth in that league. I think are going to win some games. And so, um, you know, those those teams have really started to prepare us to continue to get better, which is a big goal, especially early in the season for us.
0: So moving forward, you mentioned Dubuque. Obviously, that game coming up as you get into conference play here coming up on Wednesday. It's followed by Buena Vista, then Warburg. Lake Forest has a good season. They've come up after that. Augsburg, Whitewater. There's no let-up here. You knew you went in with a, a tougher schedule. You, I know where your game plan was, but there's something here about, hey, you beat Augustana, but, right?
1: Hey, right? a butt, right? Right. Is and that's you hit the nail on the head, you know. We beat the Orange State, that's great, but we know if if that's a highlight of the season the season is not what we want it to be. You know, Coach Miller said that, and it's the truth. You know, if that's a highlight of our, our season, we're not taking care of the things we need to take care of down the stretch. And as a staff, we decided with prodding of my assistants and, and with prodding from Coach Hines and our women's basketball coach to, to ramp up the schedule. And, you know, at the end of the day, we were one of the last teams, I think, on the table last year and maybe even the year before that. We've been regionally ranked, I think, every week since we've been here. And we said, well, if we don't make the national tournament – uh, and we don't win our league, it, it's not going to be because of things we decide in the summer or in the spring. We're going to decide to play good teams. If we don't make the national tournament, it's going to be because we didn't perform on the court. We would hate to be in a situation where we win a bunch of games and decisions we made in the summer and the spring on who to play um, comes back and bites us. And so um, our goal is to to ramp that up, play against good teams, prepare us for our conference, which we uh, hopefully will talk about as one of the best conferences in the country now. And, and uh, I think... Um, based on our schedule, I think we've done that. And so, um, yeah, that's a, it's a big part. It's a change, maybe, of our philosophies in the past, and, and hopefully, uh, good things will happen from that.
0: All right, so I had two directions where I was going to go from there. I, I had either to talk about the team specifically or talk about the conference, but since you've cheated up already for me, uh, I will be more than happy to hit this one. Uh, happy to hit I don't know one. if I'm ready to. I mean, I you, did or, or, you did join a new running conference. You a joke for the season here. Running I, joke. From the IAC, I, see, I see what the you ARC. did there. Uh, they are. Yeah. They are. I don't know if I'm ready to put them in the top five yet. That said, Nebraska is coming off a national, championship, up, pre-season national championship, preseason number one. Pre-season You've got Simpson, who had a huge Simpson, win the other day. day. We've known We've how been. Warburg has been You've until maybe about a Warburg year ago when, when they, they, they stumbled they, a bit, but they've been they, they good. Poe has they, shown, shown, they, that they they, shown that they, they can, can be, be good. In the past, the new head coach has been good. This conference has, has admittedly gotten this much better. Gotten how competitive has it been though now, competitive now competitive been from top to bottom? Top, because it used to be really top it.
1: Right. And I would, I would agree. And, and, and to some degree that it is still top heavy, not to say that our, our bottom to middle conference teams are, aren't great and can't win. Cause we lost a couple of those games last year and, and kicking ourselves for it. And so, you know, you can lose any game on any given night, which you understand, but the top teams in this league, I mean, you, you could say that about a lot of teams That the bottom teams aren't, aren't necessarily as, as good as other bottom teams and top to bottom. But I think how you're, for us and I, I'm biased, but I was excited to you guys. So I'm only kind of biased, but <laughs> for us, how good your conference is, is really how good your top three or four teams are, because you're not going to get more than three or four teams, unless maybe you're the NESCAC. Uh, you're not going to get more than your top three or four teams in at the national level and be able to, to prove themselves. And, and we get a lot of non-conference games. And like you said, Nebraska Wesleyan's obviously we don't even talk about them are great. And I think, you know, Simpsons really stepped up their game. And I think Wartburg is going to be really good this year. Uh, and I think we'll be okay. And so you know, top-level teams, and and, I, and as a staff, and I talk to my, you know, coaching buddies, and you put you put all, our top three or four teams into the WIAC, or you put our top three or four teams into uh, the CCIW, how would we fare? And, and like I said, I'm biased, um, but, you know, I think Nebraska-Westland would be up there. I, uh, in the top two or three teams, I think we would have a chance. I mean, we'd beat Augie. I mean, if we grow, we would be up there in the top two or three. Like Simpson just beat um, Platteville, who's, ranked, who's, who's who's proven to be one of the top two teams in that league. And so um, would be would our couple of our teams be, even with the Illinois Wesleyans and, the, and Augustana's and finishing in the season? I'm not sure, but I think we'd be in that conversation. And if you're in the conversation with the CCW's and the WIACs, I would put us up there as one of the top ten teams, one of the top conferences in the country. I know Massey isn't the end-all, be-all uh, of rankings, but I think, you know, and you'll <laughs> hopefully I know your fans will if I'm wrong, but I think they had us ranked as the second best conference to the Wyac last year. And, and that's a numbers-based thing, and I get that, but that's a top-to-bottom conference, you know, looking at every team in our league and how they fared and their wins and losses. And obviously Nebraska Wesleyan's run down the stretch really helped that, but – You know, we always talk as a a staff and as a team, the the numbers don't tell the whole truth, but they never lie. Right. And I think that's true, hopefully, with the Massey rankings to put us at one of the top teams. And and hopefully, you know, Nebraska Wesleyan coming into the league, I think other other uh, uh, conferences and and schools will will agree that now we've kind of solidified ourselves here in the ARC as one of the top teams, uh, top conferences in the country.
0: It certainly makes the West region a little bit more interesting. Now we got the MIAC, we got the ARC, we have the Northwest Conference, and we have the Skyak. Uh, uh, not, not in nec- any particular order there, but it certainly has made a deeper region. Um, quickly, I want to talk about your team before we let you go. No surprise, preseason All-America, Josh Ruggles leading the team in scoring 28 points a game. Uh, but Ryan DeCanio who hit that, uh, those free throws that gave you the win over Augustana, 22.3 points a game. You also have Rowan McGowan, At 16 points a game. I realize some of these numbers may be a little bit gaudy. You've got the Greenville game loaded in there a little bit. Uh, You also only had a few games. So these numbers will maybe come back a little bit. But it still gives you a sense that you've got a bit of a three-headed monster there in those three plus guys like Boyd and Coleman and George and the rest who can step up. Who can step up.
1: Yeah, you know what? Those guys can really score the basketball in in right now, and I think I hope that they can shoot it really well, and that's a difference. You know, having a good basketball player and, and being good is, is we all love them, and it's great. But when you can shoot the basketball, and you're surrounded by some guys who can hit threes, as Nebraska Wesleyan w- would tell you, um, it makes everybody's life a lot easier. And you know, Josh can shoot it from the volleyball line, and we give him a green light. Rowan McGowan shot 52 percent from three, and Josh and, and and Ryan DeCaneos really shot it well. From the guard spot for us this year as well, and you know we expect. We I think you know some of the other you know guys that we didn't mention you know, like DeMond George. He could be on any given night our best player, best scorer. I you know against Ebel, he had a great. He's an all preseason All American, I believe, from Augustan, and he's unbelievable. And you know he gave DeMond one a, a good a good a compliment, saying you're one of the best, if not the best defender. I've ever played against and so Demond is really if he's bringing his best every night, we think he's kind of the X factor, you know, and and we put that pressure on him and, you know, we put pressure on players all the time. And I think that's how you get the best best out of them. Right. And then Jordan Boyd is a freshman who's starting for us. And as a, as a pulse player, he's really, we're scratching the surface where he can be, you know, he's four games into 100 plus games in college and i hope and i think he's going to be in a really good spot and we got a couple other young guys coming off the bench so we like our group you know you always like your group when you when you're winning games and you're playing a bunch of seniors and so as of today we're happy and and seeing kumbaya we'll see what happens when we when we run into a wall a little bit so um yeah good group good guys working hard fun to be around and and couldn't be more blessed with the guys that we have
0: you talk about the shooters uh, of the top five that I mentioned, Ruggles, Decanio, McGowan, Boyd, and Toman. The worst shooter on my team is Ruggles at 45%. Uh, the best shooter is Toman, though, 13 of 19 at 68%. The other guys are all fifty, really, 55%, which is insane. Again, early
1: in the season. Yeah, they're, they're shooting well. They're shooting well. Yeah. We're happy with – you know, the thing about – those guys, I think they shoot it well. They're making good decisions. You know, of those guys, you're talking about Rowan, who's a very smart player, sophomore and started for us, and, and Josh is a senior, and Toman's a senior, and Ryan DeCaneo's a senior, and, and DeMond George is a senior. And so you're looking at some old veteran guys that just make good decisions. Um, they're not making any tougher shots than anybody else. I think they're just taking good shots. And so give those guys credit for being, for being disciplined and making the right decision.
0: Uh, quick question from the peanut gallery: uh, We do know that you have to take time off from your from fronting the band Coldplay to coach during the basketball season, and we really appreciate it here in Division Three that you're dedicated to us like that. Uh,
1: what's your favorite Coldplay song, by chance? If you're a fan. Oh my goodness! I don't. Need, I don't. I couldn't even. I don't even know that answer. I don't know the oh. names of songs. I listen to oh. Coldplay, and I like him, and he makes a lot of money, so I always make jokes about how much more money he makes than I do. But as for songs he sings, I can't even answer that. I'll just karaoke oh. him with the best of them, but I can't name a song. I, I, all of them. I don't know. That's disappointing. I should, I should have something in my pocket for when I get answered that, asked that question.
0: I'm surprised Jim isn't throwing you names <laughs> as we speak. you speak.
1: All right, he's over there. He's he's just in disbelief right now. I'm not I get no street cred from Jim Napersack, never.
0: He either he's either in disbelief that you couldn't come up with the answer or disbelief that I asked you the question.
1: Yeah,
0: I asked you the <laughs> Probably he said both. He said yeah. both,
1: which is true. So I can see that.
0: Hey sir, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Always love chatting with you. I joked with the staff that unfortunately I think I've uh, I've blown got, the uh, um, quota for the ARC already in this ARC. season. Having talked to Nebraska <laughs> Wesley and Loris on the men's side, but I have a feeling from the way you talk, we're gonna be talking to some other teams in this conference. But I appreciate one you one taking one the time, nonetheless. Um, the time, as just, always, you hey, get the coach final word. Any, any final any thoughts
1: bro. you want to share with those maybe tuning, may tuning
0: in?
1: Yeah, same thing as always, man. Dave, you are awesome. What you do for D three Hoops, I told I told my wife I was gonna be on, I told my wife and my family. I said, Hey, I'm gonna be on the ESPN D three today. And my wife was unimpressed, but my daughter thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. So I appreciate you getting some brownie points with my daughter. She was really excited about it and being able to see me. So, no, what you do for D3 Hoops, it it gives us credibility and it gives us um, a lifeblood around the whole uh, country, not just in our region and in our area. And we're really thankful for you. Um, But, you know, last word. Just thank you, man. Thanks, and uh, same thing I do in all my press conferences, I guess. And Jimbo would tell you, and I always yell at him. I always say, hawk's rising, baby." <laughs> Woo! Excited about being a duhawk. Other than that, I'm good, man. Hey, for the record, um, for the record.
0: my wife would is yeah, not impressed my, either, but my children either. are too. So I'm on <laughs> the same page
1: with him. I like it. Nice. I hope you didn't take offense to that. That makes me feel no. better.
0: No, I'm actually no. I'm actually proud because actually proud. I don't blame her. <laughs> I don't blame her. Yep, yep. Chris, thanks Got for it. taking the time. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk to you soon. Season, we'll
3: talk
1: to you soon. Thanks, Dave.
0: Chris Martin joining us on the Skype. Hoopsville Hotline again there at Dubuque to start conference play coming up on Wednesday. Then on Saturday, they're home against Buena Vista. Doesn't get any easier. Wartburg, Le- Lake Forest, Augsburg, Whitewater, Monmouth, Blackburn before they even take the turn into the new year. We'll keep an eye on Loris after their win over Augustana the rest of the way. And with that, we will take another break. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, be joined by the in-studio guest we hinted at earlier. Remember that guy we said? Sam Atkinson will join us. He will chat on his thoughts on the committee chairmanship and questions that we find time to grill him with. If you've got questions for him, email him, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet him at d3hoops or hashtag hoopsville. Or join us on Facebook and, and YouTube and ask him there. We'll be back with more Hoopsville after this.
1: But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot
2: more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build
4: both mind and body, it's more about team.
2: That is why NCAA
0: Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those
2: for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this show. want to thank Loris, his men's basketball coach. Yeah, our levels are a little bit oddly low. Man, I want to thank Loris, his men's basketball coach, for coming on this show. Appreciate him taking the time. Um, they're off to a good start. Wow, those levels are really low. Sorry about that, folks. Not sure. They just jumped down there. We'll keep, we'll keep an eye on it so you can hear us. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, Mountain Man on the YouTube page says, you hit on a theme that I've been developing this year regarding team depth. Scoring talent off the bench is certainly underrated. Mountain Man also continues to say, I see many of the highly rated teams as being one injury and game-based foul trouble away from mediocrity. Hel- hello, Whitworth. That is literally the problem Whitworth ran into in their loss. They had three guys foul out, and honestly, you get to that bench, that depth is not there. Yes, I didn't mention Whitworth. Springfield is another good example. Jake Ross is certainly the catalyst there. I think the difference there is you have in Springfield, an outstanding player in in Jake Ross, kind of like you saw with uh, Flannery for Babson, that overcomes what you would normally have, and and you can't make up for that one single talent. I think that might be slightly different. But for a team like Whitworth or other teams – that that bench is important, and I think that's why Whitman, I think, is so dangerous. I think that's why Nebraska Wesleyan is so dangerous, is they are so darn deep. I think that's what Stevens' point is going to show, is going to make them dangerous. Not only because it's a, a heavy senior leading class that's been under um, Coach Bob Semling for so long and, and so good um, with uh, what's the word I'm looking for with their defense. But again, depth, absolutely. Teams that have won national championships usually have a good set of depth, to say the least. If you've got questions for us, fire them away. Appreciate that, Mountain Man. Thank you very much. He says, I'll offer Williams, MIT, and Hamilton. Um, MIT, I think, showing that that depth isn't as deep as we think it is. I'll be interested to see how it develops, though. Williams, certainly, I think, SCAD, as we've been jokingly calling him SCAD Love, SCAD Lock. Um, Showed last year that Williams needs to develop that depth, and maybe because of it, they did. Hamilton certainly, I think, needs to develop a little bit more depth. But, yeah, you're on the you're on the point that we certainly are on as well. Um, so moving on, we're going to talk to Gallaudet Associate Athletics Director for Communications, Sam Atkinson. He'll be joining us. We're going to spin the mic and, and hopefully have a good conversation with him. Jay Cozen says, Dave, I hope you and your family had a nice Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jay. We did. Tell Sam Atkinson that we love the family atmosphere of the Gallaudet men's and women's hoops programs, the players, and the coaches. It's great to see Andy Cruz on the men's bench this season. We'll talk to Sam in a little bit about that little unique story. Uh, but thank you, Jay, for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Oh, Mountain Man, I did check Mountain Hamilton's box score today. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to lower the mic and do this a little differently. <coughs> There's, There's Sam, Sam here, here I am. Hopefully the mic picks us up. Light. Oh yeah, picks us up pretty well. Um, um, so Sam, Sam, first and foremost, thanks for coming into
6: the studio. For me, this is awesome. What a great opportunity, Dave, and hopefully you guys can hear me. I forgot to bring my booster seat. So <laughs> I know. I apologize. A little lower than normal, but uh, i really excited to be here and, and living nearby. I had yeah. an opportunity to be here. I couldn't pass it up. Nearby, relatively speaking, folks, it's a running joke <laughs> in the metro area.
0: Um, it's all about the traffic <laughs> It is. At least you chose Sunday. Sunday. Well, no, today's supposed to be a bad travel A lot of travel today yeah. on 6.95,
6: 4.95. So. so hopefully
0: this works for y'all folks uh, in the beautiful setup that is the D3 Hoopsville Studios. Uh, we thought we had pieces that we don't have. So the shopping list got longer. Uh, Sam, first and foremost, um, this is your third year on the committee. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk a little bit about the that stuff. But thanks for coming in. Um, I know that you, anything that you get tasked with, for lack of a better description, whether it's sports information, COSIDA, a regional committee, a national committee, a project on campus, or something your wife gives you, you, you take it seriously, you're going to do the best job you can, and you're going to look for the best options as well. Is that a fair assessment of how you tend to go about your work?
6: Without a doubt, Dave. You know, I think a lot of sports information directors across the country, you know, we, we have a thankless job, we work behind the scenes, and we work hard. And we want to make sure that you know we do the best we can. Um, and, and we want to make sure whatever role we're in, we want to be as knowledgeable as possible and, and bring be brought up to speed and, um, and do our homework. And we're not just representing our schools, our our region, um, but we're also making sure that we're putting a great product forward for Division Three men's basketball. When you look at, you've been on this committee now three years. Right. Um, were you on a
0: regional committee prior to that? Not all, not all do. That's why I can't remember.
6: Yeah, um, I wasn't. Okay. And, and you know, it's not always a prerequisite no. to have that. Um, but I got fortunate and, I, and when I got selected, and actually when I first received the email from the NCAA, I thought it could have been a typo. <laughs> but, uh, Don't blame you. It was a, it's a great honor, and you know, this is something I, I take um, very seriously, and I'm, I'm really excited to be in this position. And I work with a great group of uh, uh, gentlemen on, on this committee, uh, of great experience, um, coaches and administrators. And um, it's been a great three years so far, and we'll see how this year goes. You started,
0: uh, well, you represent the East region technically. Correct. Uh, because you're part of the NEAC, Gallaudet, the most Southern of the schools. Most Southern, yes. Yes, most Southern of the NEAC schools. Um, you you and I talked a number of years ago, and I'm kind of curious your take on it. Not, I'm not giving away state secrets necessarily, but you, you did have that concern of, yeah, I'm down in DC, mm-hmm. and I, I need to know about the East region. i gathered, and I kind of know where this is probably going to end. How much have you taken time to understand the East Region,
6: not because you're voting on them, but because you're representing them? Oh, without a doubt. You know, everybody that's on a regional or RAC uh, group, you know, you're representing your league. Um, so not just being the East Region Chair, I've you know, also helped represent the NEAC, and we also have a representative from the NEAC as part of the RAC. Uh, but without a doubt, you know, I'm knowledgeable with the NEAC. But um, Gallaudet's non-conference schedules, and then we also have other schools in the the D.C. and Maryland metro area that I've been able to scout that way to see other East Region schools come through. And Rochester comes south. uh, In the past, they played Hopkins, um, for example. But, you know, reaching out to the other head coaches that are on your rack, uh, reaching out to other coaches that are in that region and picking their brains and understanding what are some of the great rivalries, what are some of the great um, programs that we need to be made aware of, I know, I know when I got into this position, uh, and then was joined onto the national committee. I reached out to the former RIT coach uh, Bob up in, at RIT, yeah. uh, who was the former East Region uh, chair. Yes. So uh, he helped me a lot, a lot too in the process. Um, and then of course nationally, reaching out to uh, other members of the national committee, um, Kevin Vanish Vanderst- uh, Street um, yeah. Calvin was that was immense help to me my first year here uh, on the national committee and just learning the process. Usually the first year as, as a new committee member, you're Kind of a little more quiet and trying to take it all in and understand the process.
0: Uh, Talking to Sam Atkinson, uh, men's basketball committee chair. Uh, We should point out in your third year, we've gotten very used to the fourth year member becoming chair. There's actually only one member this year who's the fourth uh, year. We'll get into the the, the nuances of that in a minute. So interesting that you were chosen by the committee, but more importantly, you're a non-coach. You're an administrator. Which has a lot of pluses to it, to some degree. You're never getting called off of a call. Right. You're going to get to stay on it while a head coach, like Van Der Striek, if his team was involved, right. had to step aside. We had, a,
6: we had two coaches last year, and George Barber. Thank you. And um, Chuck McBrain from Ramapo, with their teams in the mix for the, the tournament. So you know they had to get off the call, and I still had to be on the call. Uh, actually never missed a call. Uh, so True. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there all the all the time the last two years. Whether
0: you want to or
6: not. And trust me, those calls can be long, yeah. especially Selection Sunday um, like hours. That. Um, so you do have that
0: kind of you nuance. That being said, it's not like you don't have any other things to do in your life, Sam. Correct. Um, you have a lot of responsibilities at Gallaudet. How do you balance this? And, and knowing you're going into your first year as chair, though I know you did some heavy lifting in the years past, but... How how do you balance all of these things on top of all of the other work things right. and all the extracurricular work things and oh, family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, first and foremost, and I, you're here by the way. <laughs> first and foremost,
6: I have to thank my wife and, and my family for being so understanding, and they're really the big support system for me behind the scenes. And without their understanding and, and support, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of these things. And, and then secondly, you know, the Gallaudet administration and, and for supporting me and representing. The university in these different roles. Um, it's really also helped to raise our profile as a university in our athletics department. So um, it's a great opportunity not just to represent Gallaudet but the East region and, and also um, you know be on the National Committee and representing Division Three men's basketball.
5: We
0: got questions for us? Email us Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. You name it. Sam is in studio, which is pretty darn awesome. And next time, because we know we'll get him in studio again, we'll have an even better set. Are we going to
6: open up the phone lines tonight? We, we, I don't
0: know about tonight, but we might do it next time you're here. We definitely opened up the Internet lines so far. Um, all right, so let's let's get into some of the nuances of, this, of the committee. First and foremost, we have three new committee members. We should point out, um, Mary Washington's athletics director, who was going into his fourth year, um, was... Relieved of his duties for lack of a better determination by the president of the school, so he's no longer he was eligible, right? No longer at the school, thus no longer on the committee. He's not even the NCA anymore. So that actually opened up a third slot. Okay. Who are our three new members, and where do they represent? Obviously, Mid, Mid-, 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 Mid- Atlantic is the one we're missing.
3: From. Yeah.
6: So we started the Mid Atlantic, where Rick Ferry from Aubrey, uh is their head coach and also their athletic director is serving this one-year term to fill out uh, Ken Tyler's uh, last year on the committee. Uh, the nice thing about Rick is he has he's been, been on this committee before, before in the past. Yeah, a long time ago. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, but he, you know, he, I've know, forgotten about that. he knows the process, and, and that's, that's very helpful to the whole committee, um, not having to completely train a new person to the committee. There are two new members, uh, Mike Schauer at Whedon mm-hmm. in, in Illinois and represents the Central Region. He replaces George Barber uh, from Greenville, the head coach there, and then uh, Rob Southall from Elms is in the northeast and and he replaces tim fitzpatrick who was the chair last year from the coast guard academy
0: so technically five coaches but you mentioned to rick we all we should mention rick's an administrator he's an associate no he's a co-athletics director at albright with the other women's basketball coach unique situation there so he so technically, technically take takes the fourth administrative role because right. we need a minimum of four.
6: It's four, four, and, four, four and four technically. I mean, uh, and, and the hats off to our, our head coaches on our committee because four of them also have administrative titles as assistant AD of some sort. Um, so it's great to see that leadership that's on our committee that also represents on their campuses. You do risk coaches not being involved in the call. You mentioned the two and Barbara
0: and, and um, McBreen last year. This year, who knows? I mean, we don't know if Elms will be necessarily involved. We don't we can assume maybe Wheaton will be involved. What's the step? And I know we don't necessarily need to talk about this till later, but I like reminding people what's the process when someone has to remove themselves from the call?
6: Right. And, if, and if usually whenever their team is being in the, in the discussion, um, either from an RAC, Iraq standpoint or a national standpoint, they have to refuse themselves from the call. Uh, usually those get off the line, and we'll text them. They get back on the line, and they'll usually join us you know, anywhere from five to fifteen minutes later, um, <laughs> or, and, longer. And, or longer. Or <laughs> longer, and sometimes those coaches want it to be longer because that know that they know that their, their team's being discussed. Or sometimes it could be yeah, go either way. How much longer? <laughs> yeah, right. But um, usually too, if we have to go to it, we don't normally always have to. You know, we can call somebody that's on their rack. Okay. Um, to represent their region if we have other further questions on, on that team. I know when it comes to selections, is there someone predetermined who
0: will step in?
6: We try to figure that out uh, okay. ahead of time. You know, As you can imagine, Selection Sunday can be very chaotic. And yeah, you don't
0: want to waste time. To things are moving
6: goals. pretty fast, and if, if a coach is not available, yeah, you know, we're trying to track somebody down. Um, so so yeah, you know, we do try to, to you know, know, predict, predict that ahead of time. Okay. Um, but also, we, we never know. And, you know, if a team goes on a great run that weekend and wins their conference tournament, yep. and that puts another, another team on the bubble, um, there's a lot of moving hats um, going on at that time. You're
0: talking about the uh, waiting for the call. Matt Donahue uh, tells me this story when he when he was on the national committee, a Catholic, and this was when the CAC was split into two regions. He got removed from the call, and he said the longer it went, he knew the worst. He was trouble. Right. They were in. He returned to the call for bracketing. He knew immediately what that meant. Right. Uh, so yeah, it can it can go as you said right away. that's
6: when you want to win the conference. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it. You know your team's gonna be in there and then you can just get off for bracketing and not have to worry about that. But that's it's, it's at large discussions that can be a little dicey at times.
0: Again, we'll talk about it in January, but real quick, rack voting. People still assume it's the old way. That on the phone call everybody does a straw poll essentially. And ranks everybody but what's changed and maybe for the better is there's a whole conversation that takes place and maybe a straw poll but ultimately someone gets on a computer and does their voting they don't have to abide by anything that took place in the call that can be good that can be bad but for the most part it leans towards the good yeah and
6: it's great when you have the chemistry on your rack to be able to come to a consensus Uh, final as far as who's going to be ranked where. Uh, But you're not held to that position. Of course, if you miss the call, you cannot vote. Um, Oh, interesting. Some people don't always know that. But if you miss the call, um, and usually most rack calls happen on that Tuesday morning or at some point before uh, the afternoon, and you have to get your votes in by 5 o'clock at some point. So if you miss the call, you cannot vote. Uh, So you can can jeopardize your, your conference a little bit. Uh, if you're not represented, but that usually doesn't happen. Um, but again, you know, usually we try to ask the RAC members a, a night before, hey, who do you think, what, what, what's your feelings on your top eight? Um, I know in the Northeast, it's 11. The Great Lakes, is nine. No, 11 or? Yeah. 11 for yeah. regional ranks. Yep. Um, so, you know, we, we do kind of get a straw poll. So you're not, you're not wasting 45 to 50 minutes on the phone ahead of time. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes these calls can be knocked out in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. if Everybody's like, this is one, this is two. am going to toss up a three or four. Okay, we're okay at three and four. I so they're doing
0: their homework ahead of time as long as they're following the criteria. Correct.
6: Interesting. And then we talk it through, you know, because... Some, Some coaches, coaches might, might not be sure. sure. They yeah. might be fighting for their conferences, and we, we try to tell everybody, you know, when we come on the call, it's you know, you hang up your your hat a little bit for your team, and you're representing your conference, and, you're, and we're trying to get the best eight schools or nine or eleven, depending on the region. But we're trying to get those best schools for that region to represent your region. We don't want to. You know, stack it with one conference yeah. over the other.
0: And, and technically, it is good to fight for the conference in the criteria set. Sure. You just can't be leaving the criteria and saying, "No, our conference is better; we deserve better." And yeah. that's where it gets a little muddy. And
6: in my you know experience with the East Region, we've had some great coaches on there, and they've been really looking at the the data and the numbers, right. and, and there hasn't been that you know huge discrepancy, which has been great. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't see it as much. I don't hear it as much when I talk to people on Racks and and elsewhere. They don't talk about they talk about the Eagles being checked at the door, for lack of a better description. Sure. They don't, and you know, the the great conspiracy theory is that, you know, there's something, shenanigans going on. But it's amazing right. how many checks and balances are in place that keep that right. from happening. Talking to Sam Atkinson, who Danny Campbell calls a great ambassador in college athletics and sports information. Um, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Those are how you can get a hold of us. Um... Again, I don't want to get in too far of the weeds, but let's talk a little bit about. Uh, oh, by the way, you as a rack head want to know how coaches are voting, right? Because
6: Correct. when you are on the national call, you right. want to understand right. how that broke down and why. And also needs to be known that you know if you're the you don't cha- vote, I don't vote, right? So if you're the regional chair, um, which every national committee member is of their region, uh, we don't vote. Uh, we just kind of facilitate the calls. On, on Tuesday with our RAC members, and then those individuals are the ones that are voting. Uh, but of course, as a representative on the national committee, I want to know where my coaches in each region stand on certain teams, and when that comes up to debates on Wednesday, when we review every region, you know, I understand the pros or cons or you know what we need to discuss. And again,
0: it's an advisory committee. Right. The national committee can do whatever the heck it wants technically, right The RACs are just kind of taking a couple steps out of the process to help them along. right, right. but
6: you know we really take a, you know you're respected, but without a doubt. Yeah. you know these coaches are the ones coaching against the different teams they see them firsthand. Um, they help us out and you know of course you know D3 hoops and what you guys offer and being able to see so many games as possible with live stream, that helps our committees and the racks out immensely. Um, but, um, but we can't, can't see everything, right? Uh, so we have to rely on the racks, and we definitely take their their word for it. Uh, but there there was a couple times when the national committee could see one team might be ranked above another, and then we look at it as a national committee, and we we might flip it, okay? Um, just to make sure you know we're being consistent.
0: Um, let's see here. Uh, Nathan Dennison's watching from Fort Wayne. We'll be there soon, Nathan. <laughs> Sooner than you realize. Sooner than I want to admit. All right, so let's talk about, since you took over as chair, what what's exactly, this committee uh, over the years has become one that's more and more communicative. And I mean that in the sense that when the season ends, the job doesn't end. They try and meet and talk about what they did or didn't do well, what could be improved. Uh, whatever the case may be, we can go through the litany of those things. So there's a lot of work, but as a chair, you're you're certainly involved a lot more. It'd give us a little sense of, of what is going on behind the scenes whenever all of us think that nothing's happened. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think
6: you know what needs to be understood is that the committee is leaned on throughout the whole season um, to get our opinions on certain things that may not just be tournament uh, driven. Um, we work closely with the NABC. Um, it's a great honor this year that uh, Springfield's head coach Charlie Brock uh, is a division three head coach and he's also the president yeah. of the NABC so it's been great uh, working with him and we had them on our first uh, committee call in October this year, oh, okay. uh, just to talk about the All-Star Game uh, in Fort Wayne and NABC. Nice. Um, so working hand-in-hand with them is great. Uh, working with the officiating, Jim Haney, um, our new national coordinator of officials, has been great. We had a great call in September, uh, or in October, uh, about uh, Division Three men's basketball coaches' rules and interpretations for them. Uh, first time we ever did that. Interesting. Uh, it was over two-hour call, hundred coaches were on the call. Uh, J.D. Collins from Division One men's national coordinator, coordinator of officials was on the call. Okay. And, and we went through scenarios, scenarios and we, we watched video. And Jim spelled out certain plays or certain rules that changed. And it was a great hands-on tool for our coaches to watch. They, uh, they were able to react. Uh, there was a poll after each question or each scenario where they could ask a question or answer uh, the play that was in question. Okay. Um, it was very, you know, interactive and it was the first time we ever did this. As a, as a national committee and, and especially spearheaded by Jim and that's something he did with his own officials. Uh, okay. So, to me, you know, that was something that was great for us to do uh, to represent the, the committee. Uh, as far as the chair, too, I, you know, I'm in constant contact with our NCLA liaison, uh, Alex, Alexander Hi <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Alex is watching. Uh, but he's been a great resource for us. This is his second year. Um, right. Took, took over from, for a... Uh, Lisa Lisa thank you I had the bill, and then I just lost it but Alex Alex has been great this is his second year he's been um you know right there for me as far as you know preparing notes for me on different calls I had to represent the committee on um he's been very helpful and 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 instrumental for our committee uh, um the last two years okay um we have I mean it's interesting
0: that you're doing more than just making sure that the NCAA has um you know, the right teams in the tournament, I and mean, you clearly are representing Division Three in the sport mm-hmm. to some degree. One of those things that I know has been a hot topic, maybe nobody realizes, and I brought it up a few times, there's now basically a mandate, I'm sure it could get voted down somewhere along the lines, but money's been allocated mm-hmm. to put another Atlanta style for men, Indy style for women, for, for both genders, dual champion, uh, uh, full championship, all three divisions together, in each, in each gender, gender by 2024, 2024 and then another one by 2030. Correct.
5: I know you guys
0: have been kind of maybe spearheading the push on that, but really leaned on in terms of asking about logistics for that. I know we haven't gotten a date set. We can probably do some saying There's an Indianapolis coming up. That would probably be great. There's an Atlanta coming up. I don't know if I want to be repeating of that, but we see some cities we could probably key on. Sure. How? How intensive has that been, and, and what's what's the ultimate motivation behind that from from the NCAA
6: slash committee point of right. view? Well, let me step, step back for a second and just and show you and your and viewers how this came about too. Uh, this September was a Division three champion championships committee meeting in, in oh, Indianapolis, right. and this happens every t- every other year. Okay. Uh, so uh, so uh, every all sport committee chairs were invited to come and talk to the championship committee and discuss. Uh, budget items, and make any proposals from a committee, and, they, and basically championships committee want to get a pulse from every sport committee, you know, what's been going on with your sport. So we should point out championships happening. committee is the overall committee, Correct. you're all your sport committees below
0: them, they technically right. drive the ship to some degree. And and relaying stuff, stuff down to running how you guys run them. Correct, Correct.
6: And, and they bring proposals to, towards the And then represent and you, right. right, in the forward. other direction. Right. Exactly. You chase no. it up
0: through them, and then they can move it on. Right. right. That. Yep. Um,
6: but it's a, it was a two-day um, session for us to be out there in, in Indianapolis to discuss budget items. Um, and one thing that, you know, and I'll answer the other question in a second, but yeah, sure. we're just talking about what could we do as a, as a men's basketball committee to help uh, the teams that are in in Division Three men's basketball and also in the, the tournament. Uh, So one thing that we were looking to help uh, support and fight for was increased squad size uh, for the tournament teams. Interesting. Um, You know, we were... It's at 15 now? It's at 15 right now. Okay. We're not looking for a drastic uh, increase, but if it was up to 18 per se. Okay. That might give some teams a a better um, wiggle room, but also make sure all those players that worked hard that season have a chance to have a national tournament experience. Okay. Uh, It's unfortunate we see it sometimes with some teams that make it into the tournament that they get there and then the last two or three guys on the team might be freshmen or new players, Uh, they're sitting in the stands and they can't be on the bench. Um, so we we're fighting for that, and that effect, that would affect every team that was in the tournament. Well, um, yeah, multiply the two or three out by sixty-four. Exactly. And then you're gonna have to do it on
0: the women's side. So really, one hundred and twenty-eight. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um,
6: and then you know, you know, was one thing that we always love to talk about, uh, but we wanted to guarantee conference opponents don't meet in first round.
0: I we heard that from Karen, so, so we all thought that was an understanding. This is more about right. mandating
6: something. It is understanding, and it's one one thing that we have taken pride in with our tournament that we try to make sure that. The conference um, opponents don't meet right. in the first rounds now. Sometimes we've seen it last year, for example, where we had to switch a team in the last minute, and now those two teams played during the regular season, which we didn't want, Right, but we, but we had no choice on that one. But this, this is the guarantee that the first-round game against conference, conference opponents wouldn't happen. This would help with football. Um, it helps
0: with football. It helped with women's basketball because right. the Northwest Conference has gotten three teams in, and they're all sitting right. in the same pod. That right. would force one to get out. Men's hasn't seen it. Though it's not like it couldn't happen. ASC is an example of that, the Northwest Conference is an example of that. There's There's some other areas where that could crop up. Now
6: Now, as a committee, I will say we wish it could also extend to the (laughs) second round. (laughs) (laughs) Darn! Yes. I was going to ask that. But But, okay. um, that might be too far? It probably is too far, and I think it's a budget thing. Sure. At the end of the day, you know... Well, imagine if you had three
0: Northwest Conference schools come out, and you said no one could face off each other in the second round, on the off chance it could possibly happen. You've got to ship two out, right. you're talking about a lot of flights, and while we would all love it, we also understand, or at least some of us do, the budgetary dynamics of Division 3. We even saw it in football this year, where we saw a first round matchup between right. conference and politics. So, yeah, second round might be a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe
6: one day down the road we, we, could, wonderful. we, could, we, could, we could cross that, uh, but at least Anna, I want to make sure people understand that we were fighting for That's making great. sure that would happen. Uh, as a guarantee and the other thing too that was kind of interesting that was kind of brought up and again it goes back to the best for division three men's basketball is if we could add a rest day in between the semifinals and the finals
0: now that is something i've heard talked about across all sports um some sports it's not irrelevant lacrosse if anybody wants to dive in deep sam and i are lacrosse guys too by the way we don't need to dive in deep on that one it doesn't happen in that sport uh women's it does not men's soccer i know it does we talk we see that Basketball it happens, but that, that opens up a little bit of a Pandora's box because what are you going to do Friday, Sunday? Okay, what about the Messiahs, the Hopes, the Calvin's of the world? Right. Well, Messiah's a bad example because they've already said they'll play on Sundays, but the Wheaton's of the world. Sure. Can you, you know, now you're talking about Monday, or do you do Thursday, Saturday? Now you're cropping. So that's not an easy right. conversation, I assume.
6: No, and it's something that we haven't discussed. It was just something that was one of the. 18 different items that have the championships committee threw out to us as you guys
0: would you guys be for it? do you think yes i think so yeah yeah i think
6: we want to make sure that we see the best quality of play and you look at the division one model um yeah you know, they play on a thursday they have a practice day off day on friday and then they play on saturday as far as like uh, their regionals yeah or for friday example, or, or, Sunday, or in the right. final four yeah uh, saturday and saturday, saturday, monday right um and and to me i think as a committee we take it seriously that we want to make sure that At the end, the final four, um, we have four of our best teams in the country, and we want to make sure we have a great product. And two teams, or maybe Maybe say, you know, have a double overtime game on the last game on Friday night, and they have to turn around and play Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. Um, Maybe it's not the best for that team, and they might be at a disadvantage. Sure.
0: Um, Of course, that circles back, though, to the the, the conversation about the the chance of having, well, it's not even a chance. It feels like this is going to happen unless right. something gets thrown in the moon, mm. in the monkey wrench. And basically, right. a monkey wrench gets thrown. I assume D2's on board for this because yes. in the past they've been the monkey wrench to some degree. Yeah, yeah.
6: And, and going back to that meeting in September with the Championships Committee, that's where we made our proposal for this. Uh, it was jointly made with the Women's um, Basketball Committee for Division Three, and we put that forward to the Championships Committee, who then they discussed it the days that we left the championships committee stayed and reviewed every policy from every sport committee okay. there uh, and then they put that forward okay. and then as you've seen in the news in the last two months yeah management council accepted it they proposed it and then recently they the money's been out two hundred fifty thousand for the first one correct which is
0: a significant amount of money let's just let's right. just put that on out there because i think atlanta i think i remember seeing a number that that was about it was about two hundred fifty thousand, if not a little bit more. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it was pretty significant—six digits—just to get two teams to Atlanta, host them, transportation, right. you name it, to pull that off.
6: Right, and we don't take these, you know, suggestions and policies lightly, and understanding the financial strain that could be on the Division Three, uh, but also looking at the best way to market Division Three men's basketball and women's basketball on a national stage like that, on a weekend like that. Um, and, you know, those two teams that make it there are going to have a wonderful experience oh, yeah. and, and be a part of the Final Four.
0: Is it talked about having both men and women simultaneous same year or split like they did last
6: time? That I don't know. Okay, oh, sure. I'm not sure. You know, where the women's basketball committee stands on that. And, but I know what, what, what will happen next is our committee will have to have those discussions with the Division One and Division Two committees, and, and see what host site. Um, would, would be, open be open to this. You also need the right one. Atlanta was great because the facilities were right near each other so everything
0: was centrally up. If we'd been in Dallas though,
5: mm-hmm. that wouldn't
0: have worked. There was no facility that D3 and D2 could have played it because they're not playing in Jerry's world. Right. That would have been a joke. It would have been fair to the student athletes. Um, we had a great atmosphere in Atlanta. 10, 12, 15, something like that. A right. thousand people. Right. Yeah. I would say two different years because it would be nice to cover them both. (laughs) There you go. It'd be a little hard to fly back and forth. I'll put those in my notes. Good. Thank you. And if you could throw a little money out. Okay. uh, I'll not travel. travel. Please. Uh, The hotel is more than the travel. I got you. Um. So that's, that's certainly a trend. We'll keep an eye on that. And they, Again, it's one by 2024 and one by 20... An additional one by 2030 is the thinking and the hope. The hope is twice within a 10-year span. And the 2024 is significant because that's when I believe the current TV contract is kind of turns the page and we we look at a new contract which may change things
6: up as well right, right. And, and that's above, above. oh it's right. well above all of our, our, our pay grades yeah <laughs> absolutely
0: uh, anything okay so let's make a turn towards this year sure. you talk about that championships meeting that I know has taken place every two years and every time that one takes place nothing changes necessarily I don't want to say that but some sports I see the committees ooh what's this or their eyes are open to something they hadn't been paying attention to Sure. Or, you, we can go through a litany of lists, I don't want to go through that, but my point being is those, those are very beneficial from what I've gathered for chairs and committees themselves to understand how everybody's doing their work. You don't, don't have to mimic anybody. Your sport's unique. Right. But there is an element of understanding how all this criteria works. Well, and,
6: and there's a lot of the same issues that every sport committee Oh, sure. You know, it, either because of travel, financial strains. Um, you know, even selections you know. Yeah. So, so hearing from different committee chairs throughout those two days and, and getting their feedback you know there was a lot more in common than maybe not in common if that makes sense yeah um, so to me that was very beneficial for myself as a new chairperson but also something I was able to bring back to our committee and share that information with our committee members um, and, and make sure that they were informed on what was going on um, and also understanding that you know our voice matters and what we we're able to bring forward uh, to the championships committee uh, was taken seriously. And I have this feeling, and by
0: the way, uh, two years ago I remember again the conversation was whether we released regional rankings and I again knew that the men's basketball was the minority of the group who said yes, yeah. darn it all, release the final regional rankings, let's make this known. There was a majority, I won't name the sports but I know who they were, who said no we don't want that information given out they, for whatever reason, some of paranoia. But, it, but was it was the championship, championship committee that said, no, enough, we're, we're done, done with this, we're releasing the final regional rankings, and that was because of the push by men's basketball. I think football was involved in that push as well, and some other sports right. saying, no, we, we are going to do this. Has anything like that seismically changed? I'm not expecting an answer of yes here, I'm just curious. <laughs> no, but
6: you know, to me, again, it's, you know, as everything in sports change and evolve, kind of also with the sports information and, and video. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of coaches always want us to hide the videos after a game's over, and this is a whole different tangent we could have. We all know how I feel about <laughs> that, right?
0: Sam does. But, <laughs> but
6: to me, it's the whole idea the, the information's already out there. Yeah. The video's out there. People are already scouting your team. With analytics these People days? People can probably determine what our rankings might be for our region already. Um, you guys do a great job on your show. I um, don't know what you speak of. <laughs> been seeing that. So, to me, it's like there should be nothing that we should be scared to hide. Sure. And, and we should take you know, we, we take our work seriously, and everybody should understand, too, everybody on the committee is a volunteer position. Oh, absolutely, you're not um, getting paid by right. So, Right. But we do it for the love of the game, and we do it to represent our, our universities and, and in our regions. Uh, but to me, it's like, you know, we've done this work all season. Why are we going to hide on the, on the last uh, ranking? So, to me, I'm glad that men's basketball and football have been um, kind of championing that and a trendsetter. Uh, so, you know, we want to try to be as transparent as possible.
0: Um, let's talk about the criteria a little bit. We're not making any regional rankings, but we always talk about how November means just as much as February because every game counts. Sure. We see improved schedules. Ta- Chris Martin talked about them going out there and scheduling. Letourneau went out there and scheduled the heck out of their schedule in men's basketball. We're seeing a start that change in women's basketball, too, where people understand that SOS does mean something. I've been vocal that the SOS has felt almost too heavy at times, rightly or wrongly. That's been the NESCAC argument against the the NESCAC, rightly or wrongly. I think some teams have been fairly put in and some teams have gotten... And that's how
6: their conference is set up with how they play each other.
0: But all of this information now is just as important as all this information is in February, so we always have like to kind of remind people that, yeah, this game in November is going to mean just as much. That loss is going to sting come February. There's already games that we've been talking about as a group. We're going to talk about this game come Selection Sunday. Right. This is the game we're talking about. It seems right. crazy.
6: Well, well um, and, and to add to that, I think there's a lot of teams that are challenging themselves to go outside of their conference, to go outside of their region, and, and play some tough teams. Now, now some, some of those teams, teams that scheduled like that, they know that they're going to win their conference and, and they, they can take the losses. Right. But, but there's, there's also some teams already that might be, on the might bubble. be in trouble. already. They might be playing themselves out. Saint Olaf because of the way they're playing. Saint Olaf, 0-4 start, three
0: ranked teams. It's great. They needed at least one win, like George Fox or somebody, mm-hmm. to, to, to avoid taking a, a bit of a sting there. And they, and they may already right. have to be playing for the conference title. So, right. so that's certainly an example of that. Right. And I
6: can't speak specifically on a oh, no. team. Uh, tonight, but, but just the idea, idea that you know, you know I applaud the coaches for challenging themselves to the getting outside their region, playing these, some of these great tournaments that we've seen so far, and, and you're seeing and some of these great, great upsets. In the, and as is, as you've so, uh, saw this past weekend, you know, you know, you know your, your top, top 20 25s in shambles, uh, uh, trying <laughs> to figure, yes it is. trying to figure <laughs> out who's who. But this is great for Division Three men's basketball to see these games, especially early on in the season. that kind of has that Division One feel when you see a Duke versus Gonzaga. You know, when we see some of these big games at the Division Three level, um, it's excellent to see that instead of just maybe a ho-hum, non-conference game that a team won by 60 points. You can't look too much into those type of games sometimes. That said, we've had this
0: interesting back and forth, because this is going to start immediately. 0.03 difference in SOS equals two games, and for a number of years, okay, we got that. But then sometimes at 0.06 equals four points, sometimes 0.09 equals six. And I always thought that got a little dangerous, and we talked about what was it, uh, Lancaster Bible, a couple years ago? Could have right. taken one loss and been out of the national tournament altogether. Right. Uh, but I also understand that that metric has been helpful because it is hard to understand what does the SOS truly mean. Right. What does your win loss truly mean? Again, Lancaster Bible could have entered, you know, entered the tournament at twenty six and one, roughly give or take twenty seven right. and one. Well, that looks. Pretty, they must be pretty darn good. Well, then the SOS tells us a completely different story. But maybe it doesn't tell us an accurate story. That's where I'm trying to get at. So, where, where it has this point oh three to two game system evolved to? Is is it still evolving? How? Where are you guys living in that world? If it makes any sense. Sure. And I
6: think that 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 metric and tool is just that. And it's not part of our primary criteria. No. Um, it's technically
0: just a. It's
6: what what I've been told is that committees
0: of the past, mm-hmm. without trying to put any words in anybody's mouth, committees of the past have been understood that this can help you understand the differences in those numbers right. is the best way I can
6: put that. Right. And like and, and you said, it's not written in stone so that you must, whatever, know. you see this difference, this equals that. Uh, so, you know, I think that's been helpful for committees in the past. I know when I first started, you know, this is something that we've talked about. And it doesn't happen all the time. And, and they, we should point out, not all committees hold it. The women don't necessarily hold right, by it either. Right. right. And, and it's, to me, it's, it was a tool for a committee, committee to maybe, if we and had and a close two or three teams together, teams that, that might help uh, decipher who, who might, who might have, have the edge on that. that. Uh, but one, one thing, you know, when we met with the championships committee and we met this summer as a committee talking with NCAA folks, and we talked to people in the stats department, and we speak to people. Um, with the, the championships, championships committee, committee. You know, yeah, they really just honed in to us as you yeah, know yeah, we, we got to make sure that we stick to our primary, primary criteria, criteria. And, and maybe this like might be like a reset or where or we of course correction, correction where we're, we're we're focusing you know first with, with the primary criteria, criteria and then the secondary criteria and not maybe going to that tool or metric all the time so not use
0: that tool necessarily or or
6: well shy away from it right and it's not part of the primary criteria so it's not saying that we have to use that
5: so
0: you, so you don't, don't necessarily need to dive, dive into point 0.03 equals two. It but but we, we don't need to necessarily. Un, we need to understand that you, not not that, you that you may not be using that tool. Is what I should say. That there's a chance that 0.03 to two, two may not be, be a metric you're using necessarily.
6: This season. Well, and technically it's not part. I mean, you haven't
0: started the process. We haven't started the process. This is
6: a little bit getting the horse right behind the cart. Yeah, and again, I think it goes back to how the coaches have taken. Um, act, they, they take an action with getting, increasing their non-conference schedule and that's, right. I'm starting to see, I think a lot of committees and maybe other sports are seeing this where the strengths of schedules maybe not, they may not be off the charts um, like they've been in the past or super low. But numbers have been climbing over the years. In certain conferences. Well, well,
0: and I would say, in general, we're seeing higher SOS numbers over the years amongst teams who are in competition, Right. Or because attention. they're playing
6: better teams too. Right? Because they're that. yeah. Because right.
0: coaches are now understanding, oh, I need to right. fix this, and they're well, not all, but most are going out there and scheduling better. And we, I mean, we're not that far removed from Oshkosh, who had a redonkulous SOS, but right. did not win necessarily against it at the rate we're used to, but still got in because of it. Um, this feels like that could be one of those checks, as you put it, that okay puts us back into a little bit more of a gray area of understanding really where the sweet spot is, if it makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So,
6: and, and again, David, there's, there's no sweet spot, here, period. Right. I just mean, and it's really going to be tough also looking at the, the national landscape, landscape when you're comparing a team from an east region to a team in the west region, and you're looking at the strength of schedule. Uh, some, some schools, schools have, have the opportunity to play, play a lot more teams yeah. Um, yeah. in their in their region or close nearby, especially yeah. Up, yeah. up here yeah. in the Mid Atlantic and the Northeast. Uh, but when you're in yeah. Texas, you, know, yeah. you, you have got to go ten right. hours, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, when you look at you know their results versus ranked Division three teams, I think that's a a key element where you know coaches you know they're scheduling better, and this is where that's going to come into play a lot more. We'll talk more about this in January for sure, but. I'm getting the sense that our tactic
0: as a crew, as we try to make our own selections, we need to maybe slow our roll a little bit too on this point oh three equals two because that may not be the entire answer. Not that it's been the entire answer, but it, right. right? But it's and not it was, necessarily the entire right, answer. and it
6: shouldn't be looked at as like you know, well then this automatically kicks in at this point or something like that. Right. But to me
0: i've liked 0.03 to 2. The The 0.06 to 4 i started to (pauseVENing) not like so much i argued about an exponential curve but i don't know where those numbers sit
6: and you you know each committee year to year has been different yes over the years that's true gotten two new people usually every year this year we'll have three well the line Um, was
0: more strict one year it wasn't so strict the year before it wasn't so strict the next year it's always been there i get the sense maybe We'll back up a little bit further on it this year. It'll be interesting to follow. We'll, we'll talk more about that in January. Before I let you go, this has been a long but very uh, fun segment with you. I, I do want to talk about the fact that we, going back to the beginning, we talked about more administrators on these, you know, you got to have four administrators. One thing we got used to was this has always been a coach's thing. Across the division. We always talk about the old boys network, about how this has all broken that up anyway. A sports information director running the show. Uh, we had Dave Petroff at Edgewood, who's just left, uh, who's no longer on the women's committee, but he was a sports information director who stepped up. The men's committee's been full of, of uh, some kind of administrator who's not necessarily tied to basketball. The women have certainly seen a little bit of that. Uh, Dan uh, Fisher, uh, commissioner of the Landmark Conference, is on this year's committee. There's a little bit more diversity now. What is What does that bring to the table from your point of view?
6: Yeah, and it's been great and in the last five, five to six years NCAA opened the doors for um, other administrators, assistant athletic directors, associate athletic directors, but people who are also sports information directors to apply for these type of positions um, and there's been other great SIDs that have been on team sport committees and they've been chairs of uh, team sport committees but um, being in this position on the men's basketball committee um, as a SID and in the chair position is a great honor. Um, but, but also kind of shows, it's shown me in the last two years at the Final Four that a lot of SIDs you know We're used to game operations. We're used to running games um, We've been, you know, a lot of us volunteer at NCAA tournaments We know how these tournaments are run and then you have on sport committees where you might have a coach or an athletic director Who's never had a team in the national championship or in the Final Four and never seen behind the scenes of how media room runs or you know uh, meetings with uh, CBS and, and the TV production crews uh, so I think there's been a, a real value to have somebody like myself on this committee uh, that, that pays attention to the little details, of uh, how you know, sponsorship is you know, displayed or the signage, um, and just little things to make sure that the student athlete has a great experience when they're at the final four. And I, you know, hopefully see, uh, I'm hoping if I'm in this role that we can see more sports information directors uh, given this opportunity. And I'd love to see every NCAA sport committee have an SID on their committee. Uh, because also you have a built-in public relations person True. that can help out any committee chair when it comes to uh, you being know, on this show or, you know, on other uh, media outlets or having interviews at the Final Four. Uh, I think it's very invaluable uh, to have somebody like that Well, you role. something happen.
0: Right. Let's right. say something happened, like, I, I'm not going to go into a like, but something happened at the Final Four. You got somebody who at least understands how to handle the media that will
6: eventually arrive to deal with that. So, you know, again, hopefully we'll start seeing more sports information directors in these positions and hopefully um, they might start thinking that, hey, maybe we need to have somebody like an SID on every sport committee. Because there's a lot of SIDs in, across the board in Division 1, 2, and 3 that would love to be in these type of positions.
0: That'd be really interesting. Yeah, yeah I'd be fascinated to see that, but I should also point out, um, it's not like you don't know the sport. You right. guys are at these sports all the time. You guys know these sports. Maybe not from the nuances of X's and O's like a coach does, but you know the sport just as much as anybody else hey, if things does. happen
6: at the Final Four and somebody needs to score the game, I can jump in and start working <laughs> on that. That's so, so true.
0: Speaking of, uh, too quick, direct. you took that in. I want to take a quick to the Final Four, new Final Four this year, Fort yep. Wayne. You guys are tasked to going to a city you've never been before that hasn't happened in 23 years. Right. That's got to be adding nothing against Nathan if you're still watching. Uh, that's got to be adding a little bit more to you guys though, a little bit added to the play sure. we normally have. No. no Salem, with, Salem always did a great job, but it was a rubber stamp. Nothing against Salem. You guys knew what to expect. Right.
6: No. In, in my experience on this committee, you know, we've definitely been in touch with the host site a lot more uh, this sure. year compared to the years in the past. But you know, we had a great run of 23 years at Salem, and Salem and Kerry and all his people with ODAC did a fabulous job down there. Um, and we're looking forward to working with Fort Wayne. Uh, Nathan, Stephanie, and Emily, they've really have hit the ground running. No. Um, and when we went out there this summer in June to Indianapolis as a, as a committee, we did a site visit. Oh, great. We thought that was important as a committee. So not just the one that was done you know, pre-selection, you've done one since. Right. So you know, we've had uh, several interactions with the fine folks from Fort Wayne, um, and seeing the venue firsthand last June, was um, very valuable oh, cool. for our committee to do that. So we, so we saw all the meetings, venues, we saw the hotels, hotels, we saw the city, um, and that, that was very helpful. Um, uh, and then since, since then, we've then, had um, the Fort Wayne folks, uh, Wayne folks um, on our committee call. calls, oh, okay. and we've had other calls with them. Um, and we've been working with their media and PR as far as press releases, and their okay, tickets are already on sale, so that's yeah, out and that's true. You get your tickets, uh, they're, they're selling reserve tickets for the first time, Oh wow! Um, already on sale, and they're doing a great job with that, um, so I know we don't even know who's in the tournament, we don't know who's gonna be there, uh, they have yeah, great people in Fort Wayne that are really excited for this event, and good. they've already bought their tickets, they got their favorite seat picked out, and they're going to be there. Yeah, oh, actually,
0: I did I knew a couple of people have
6: already picked out. Their right, seat. and they have some other great uh, sports athletic teams that play yep. in that venue, and they um, very busy venue. Yeah, and they got some loyal fans that, uh, in, in, the, in uh, Fort Wayne and in Indiana, uh, home of basketball. So, oh, so we're, we're right. expecting a great. Larry tomorrow. Bird will be here. I heard. Right. Well, we'll, we'll she's right. we'll
0: we'll making that up, folks.
6: Um, yeah, yeah,
0: and I should point out, uh, Pat Coleman's already been there, so we've already seen it from a logistical side. I've been told on Ticketmaster, you already know where the hoopsville set is. You know, you know, know if you bought, they bought they tickets before I do, Nathan <laughs> Teferi, uh, I'm telling you, that's pretty sweet. Um, um, one, one other, other thought, thought, you kind of hit it off. This is not something I, I, I told you I wanted to ask, but I'm curious. The NCAA is moving towards adding five members to the Board of Governors for the entire NCAA. That you know, there's a balancing number there of Division One, Two, and Three membership on this Board of Governors. Talk about not five completely unrelated to NCAA, I assume they just mean basically non-school, non-conference, non-Indianapolis people, to to kind of bring the outside point of view in to the NCAA. You talked about the sports information point of view, the commissioner's point of view. How? What is your thoughts on those five being added to a board of governors, and would you hope that at least one or two of those individuals, probably one, would have a Division three point of view? Because I have heard concerns about
6: that. No. no, and you know, what you allude to is the, the vote coming in January at yeah, the, at the convention. convention where every institution is being mandated to make a vote on this. Oh, that's being mandated to vote. Right. Okay. So, to me, it's the first open vote um, in a long time. And, and to me, I, it, I, it can't hurt to have some outside point of views. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, any, any job that you work in, you get stuck in your ways and maybe what, you know, it's been done in the past, yeah. you know, it could be better. Um, and, and what a better way to bring outside people and outside perspectives. Now, you know, a lot of this is because of Division 1 basketball. Um, so, you know, yeah, football, what, you, really. what you alluded to as far as having a Division 3 voice or a college division voice, a Division 2 voice also yeah. would count. Oh,
3: with D3, I'd want to see D2 get a voice too, yeah.
6: Of course. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, you know, from my perspective in my opinion, yeah, I'd love to have somebody with that type of background that would understand that I and mean, maybe not just be completely power five division one right. heavy.
0: Well that's that would be a concern of mine and I've already right. seen a concern from I think the commissioner's point of view. I mean the commissioners have come out saying, Listen, we endorse the idea,
6: but we want to make sure
0: there's a D three voice in this group, which may not be easy to
6: find. Right blunt and, and and also to add to that too, you want some diversity too. It just cannot just be five of the same type of people. Like you know, we men. need diversity, men, women. Uh, different backgrounds too. Yeah, I
0: absolutely agree. It's too bad it's only five, but you also can't make this, it's, you can't it's be, like everything, you can't make it bigger, right. too big. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> the same
6: thing with, with uh, sport committees and different yeah. board of directors, you can't have too many uh, chiefs in the, yeah. you know, it cooks in the kitchen, chiefs in, in the kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever. You.
0: There's a litany of Whatever saying you want to yeah, use. Exactly. Hey, hey much longer conversation than i planned on having with you but i really appreciate you coming in i know we'll have a much more enlightening conversation in january but once you guys it. get your hands dirty oh, oh i kind of subtly know. got him in ryan said watching a hoops in studio guest uh men's committee chair sam Atkinson. i've been in that studio i want to know how long it took to clean before sam got there you're not funny it's not clean you just can't see it all sam could give you the bad sign of that it's,
6: it's crazy great seeing be nice. behind the scenes here yeah you
0: get to see more than others do uh, it needs work um, but I really I do appreciate you coming in if we're able to get you back in studio would love to have it I mean ultimately it would be great to have you here in the matchup Monday but you and I are both absolutely, yeah you and I are both insanely tired by that point that may not be the smartest idea to put you in a car and have you drive up but I do appreciate you taking the time as always, we give our guests the final word. Any final
6: thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, Dave, thanks again for this opportunity. It's been great that you opened your, your, your studio to me yeah. and to be here, and I, I really appreciate that. And I think that hopefully you know, having that face-to-face contact here helps out a lot more than just over the, over the computer. Uh, but thank you for what all you do with Hoopsville. Um, I know. For me, I'm I'm always um, I'm one of your big podcast <laughs> subscribers. I listen it's to it's a long it. segment, Sam. It's good. You're going to have to deal with this one. Uh, I know. But, <laughs> but I usually listen to it at 1.5 speed. Oh, you do
0: the Frank Rossi technique. Yeah, yeah, the Frank Rossi technique on the football. One. But you know,
6: living in this area and driving down to DC uh, can also no, be an hour or so. So it's a great. Great. It Help helps my community all the time, but no, seriously thank you to team. you, uh, thanks, 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 thanks to Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, Scott, Gordon Mann, everybody behind the, everybody the scenes here that helps generate the, uh, D3 hoops. What you guys team offer team here team. is unmatched at this level, level. And, and you know yeah, as a men's basketball chair and as a men's basketball fan you know we're really lucky to have what you put out there and thank you for all your hard work and what you do. Um, for that. And I know I'm on your site all the time, uh, <laughs> checking scores. <laughs> yeah, I was on it earlier.
0: I probably did to the score and you went scurrying to find it. Yeah, exactly. So
6: <laughs> it's a great resource. I wish all Division Three sports had something like this. I agree this. Um, But, you know, what um, you and Pat have done with the D3 Sports Network has been fabulous. And hopefully down the road, more sports will pop up on the Division Three spectrum. Um, but it's just been an invaluable resource. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate the kind words. Um, Yeah, I agree with you on the other sports. You and I have talked about that. I would love to see that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Sorry about the 1.5 speed thing there. Uh, That's right. It speeds it up a little bit. I've got a lot of podcasts to get through. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I can only imagine what my voice sounds like at 1.5. That could be funny. Uh, Thanks very much. Uh, We'll look forward to having you in. I did not touch on Gallaudet stuff. You've done a a yeoman's work at Gallaudet. Uh, I've said that publicly before. Always impressed with the corner of Gallaudet has turned it's impressive. impressive. We, we will, when we're win back win. on, talk more about Gallaudet. Sounds All-day. good. And, and then you got to you gotta kick a really cool <laughs> story at men's basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah.
6: Father of four? Oh, returned. yeah. Return? Is, is that right? He played in 2003. It was the last year. Holy so, cow. Uh, now his I family. I played noon
0: hoops last in two thousand. Now
6: his family's there at every game and all his kids and stuff. So it's, it's great oh. to see uh, Dad out there on the court. That's insane. That's awesome, though.
0: Well, thanks for the time. Appreciate Thank it. Dave. We'll talk to you soon. It. Uh, with that, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Bob Quillman will be joining us. you listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com, from the WBC and NABC Studios. More hoops after
5: this. I'm a Division 3 student athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
1: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
4: If you can play, you can play in Division 3. I'm a Division 3 student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division 3. I used to
1: I my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be.
6: Character is what you are.
4: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish
2: it.
6: It's a well-rounded experience.
2: At a Division III school,
3: you're primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual.
5: It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Welcome
0: back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Oh, we better adjust the settings slightly as we, uh, there we go, get back to Norm. Again, appreciate Sam Atkinson from Gallaudet joining us here on the show. Uh, we will have him on more often. Uh, Sam also preaches transparency with the men's committee, Has always preached. Also preaches wanting to teach people how this works, including ourselves. We're looking forward to it um, and see where it, where it takes us. Uh, in the future and this season. And for all we know, Bob will, or Bob or uh, Sam will be a two-year committee chair. I don't know. don't want to predict too far in advance, but we haven't had that in men's basketball in a very long time, rightly or wrongly. I'm not necessarily on either side of that bridge. Um, so now let's transition. I have a gentleman who says he is ready to pick all 21 at-large selections for this year's NCAA tournament coming up in March. He's ready to do so here on November 25th. Kind of. I th- I think I'm making that up a little bit. Am I not? Uh, that said, if he ch- took a, he'd probably want to take a shot at it, knowing Bob. Uh, so uh, well, we'll give him a little bit of a stab at it. Joining us on the ho- Hoopsville Hotline, it's our good friend Bob Quillman, sir. Welcome back to the show. It's been a little while.
2: It has. It's good to see you as always, Dave. And you know, I have to admit that we are going to do this over cell phone. And I watched the beginning of the show, and Chris Martin. The esteemed head coach of uh, the Loris Duhok was on it. You know, Chris was on video, and it shocked me because he's from a town, Eureka, Illinois, where I don't even think they have the internet yet. <laughs> and When I saw that Chris was on video, I was like, "Oh my God, I got to get Skype set up." And so, <laughs> I appreciate Chris Martin pushing me to uh, to video here.
0: Um, I should point out you've been on on Twitter, uh, Skype a couple times. One, we have this background in the past. I love this background. It's really. Cool. The other one you did to us one time that blew my mind was I think you had a Christmas background with the big screen TV. If that, if I remember that one, that one felt like it was a little much.
2: I like to mix it up. Uh, I thought about maybe a little stocking that said Bob and Dave, and that seemed a little, a little. <laughs> odd. And so I like to just throw different looks at you, Dave.
0: That would have been epic. Um, we should point out we haven't talked too much. We talk to you when we can, but. You had yeah, you know, at one point had moved back down to uh to or moved to Texas, got very busy while you stayed in division three. You you felt you couldn't keep your pulse on it. But I kept watching you and sir, you kept your pulse on it. You never let go. You were always aware of what was going on. And without being too forward, you've been pretty uh public about the fact you're back on the top twenty-five um um pollsters group. You have entered the fray. At maybe the wrong
2: time. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. When I moved uh, out of Bloomington, Illinois, when I was doing the, the color commentary for Illinois Wesleyan, I, I just thought I wouldn't see enough games, and therefore I didn't earn the right to, to vote. I was one of the original top 25 voters, did that for many years. And so I handed in my, my ballot privileges. And, uh, you know, what I learned is that when I moved away and I wasn't spending all that time preparing for the Titan Games, I could follow, like, every team in the country. and i'm probably going to be a much better voter now uh now that i'm back in the mix than i was whenever that was five six years ago so i'm I'm glad to be back because i like doing that
0: um your wife is a saint just as my wife's a saint as pat's wife's a saint ryan and gordon's wives are saints i've never truly met her though i feel like i know her i want to thank her in advance for letting her be on the show even if it's only for this one time maybe
2: she knows the drill, Dave. So she knows when it's Hoopsville time, what's going on. She knows that, you know, when the Titans go to Salem, she knows how that works. And yeah. so I think it's a good spot.
0: Uh, we almost got you to Salem last year. It just didn't work out. But I know we're, we're looking forward to seeing you down the road. Let's dive into what is going to be a hellish, if you haven't started yet, top 25 ballot. I have not, but I stay up till 3 in the morning um, by doctor's orders. So I will be working on it tonight. I will apologize now to everybody. A 2.30 pick may prove to be problematic but talk about a hell of a start of the season sir we have 14 of our top 25 have lost i don't know how many of your ballot have lost the women isn't much better but this has been i mean we talk about parity, but this is on another level
2: yeah there's extreme parity, and i think we're about a decade in, into that landscape right now Dave. you, you go back to when like steven's point was just the best team by a mile there for a yeah. couple of years and it seemed like there was a stretch where it was like that but We're probably 10 years into tons and tons of parity, and every year it gets even more and more. So I don't think – no huge surprise here. You know, Oshkosh has lost a game, and Augustana, and Whitman, and MIT, and Whitworth, Springfield's lost a couple. Um, There's good teams everywhere. There's not that much separation between the best teams and whoever the next tier is. And it doesn't mean because a team lost that they're not still one of the top five or ten teams. So we can't overreact to it, but you're right. It makes it tough to be a pollster.
0: I think that last part is is important. You know, I think in the last couple of years, I had to go out there and tell people, listen, yeah, my number one team lost, but I'm not changing my number one vote because I expected them to lose. They didn't take a bad loss in my opinion. And I'm not saying that's what's coming here, but to some degree, we all know losses are coming. It's just who circumstances, what ifs and all that stuff. They're going to go into decisions on where you move teams around. Is, Is that a fair way of, of kind of warning people that, you know, we may see some shakeup, but not a lot.
2: Well, it's also a matter of your perspective on the teams at the time the game is played. You know, yep. for example, I, I believe sincerely that that Augustana losing at Loras is not really an upset. It looks like it sure. now because Augustana is three and Loras is receiving votes or not in the top 25. But I think if you get that to January, February, you're going to talk about that. Like that'd be a toss up game if Augie played at Loras at that point because – Loris will be highly ranked and um, I, I just think it's a function of when you play good teams especially on the road look you're going to lose and that's going to happen and I think as a top 25 voter you can't overreact to every loss or every win for that matter.
0: I, great way of saying it I, I agree entirely with you uh, on that I agree too yes I've been using the word upset with Loris but just in a general sense Loris was in consideration for my top 25 I had 40 teams, and I just didn't do them well. They'll be on my top 25 now, but it doesn't mean I need to suddenly punt Augustana from four down to 20. Um, there's cir- there's circumstances involved, and we, again, expect teams to take losses.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I will still have Augustana way up near the top of my ballot. I think that they're one of the top. Certainly, I'd probably have them in the top five, for sure. I think they belong to be there, and, or they, they deserve to be there, and uh, I probably won't you know overreact and drop them 10 spots or anything like yeah. that.
0: All right. Let's back up a a step. Let's talk. Yeah. I called you the central region expert for lack of a better determination. I didn't know what I really wanted to label you, but there's some stuff in the central region, which is slowly. I mean, there's a lot of epicenters of division three basketball. The central region certainly is now that the WIAC is officially in that region, really the big one. We can go a little bit outside now and start dragging in the ARC, the former IAC, since it's just on the on the fringes of that central region. The MIAC's not that far away, and you've certainly got the Great Lakes region um, with good teams and conferences nearby as well. So that kind of general Midwest area is a hotbed, which is why I love having you on. is good. The YAC's good. We're seeing depth in both those regions so far without trying to overreact too much. The IRC, with Chris Martin's interview, certainly showing that maybe that is a better and deeper conference than people realize. The MIAC has shown that. Is it, at this point in time in the season, is it hard to pick a favorite?
2: It is. I think in all these leagues it it is because they're, they're balanced. If you look at the CCIW... Uh, Augustana's picked to win the conference. I think they should be picked to win the conference slightly. Um, You know, they shared the league last year with Illinois Wesleyan. Augustana had the better uh, tournaments. Wesleyan got knocked out in the first round. Augustana went on and won three games. Um, That said, there's not a lot of separation between Augie and Illinois Wesleyan. There's probably not a lot of separation between Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton. And who knows, between Wheaton and North Central, you look at the the Wisconsin intercollegiate, same thing. You've got uh, Oshkosh picked to win it. Uh, you've got Platteville, Stevens, and Whitewater. How much separation is there between those four teams? I doubt there's very much. Uh, you look across to the, again, not in the central region, but the ARC. You look at Nebraska, Wesleyan, and Loris. That's got to be pretty tough. So I think most of these leagues, Dave, you're looking at a lot of parity at the top and a lot of really good teams.
0: When you look at the, let's talk about the CCIW, Augustana is obviously good, but Illinois Wesleyan Rose is certainly showing he's going to be a stud of a player this year. I think we expected that, but he's certainly playing at another level. Um, But you also have Wheaton playing well right now. It seems like other schools like Elmhurst and others could be sneaky good this year. The CCIW, as always,
2: looks tough. I agree. And, you know, I would would say a little differently than than what Chris Martin said. He said the league is measured by the strength at the top. I've always felt it was measured by maybe more like the middle. I agree with you. How good if you match up team number four to four and five to five. Yeah, I think that's where the CCIW is good this year. Now, look, I don't know who those teams are. Is it is Carthage number five, Elmhurst? I'm not sure. But I think those are going to be very competitive teams in the middle of the league. I think only North Park at the bottom is maybe going to struggle a lot this year. But it seems like even like Milliken is off to a good start. Um, so the CCIW is very deep this year and uh, I think you have two really elite teams at the top right now in Augie and Wesleyan and Aston Francis may be good enough that Wheaton's in that mix too, who knows?
0: Oh, Aston nice. Francis certainly, uh, it was fun to watch him against Oshkosh, though he puts up a lot of shots, that said, certainly got him to fall when he needed to. Slide into the YAC, and for the last couple of years it has been a, jeez, dogfight doesn't feel like it, it justifies the terminology. Um, Whitewater, Platteville, Stevens Point, uh, Eau Claire has been good. Oshkosh gets to the national championship game. This is a very, very difficult conference. And, but what I'm spotting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this Stevens Point squad is kind of a little reminiscent of 2016. Really good senior class, been under Bob Semling, really good defensively.
2: I think anytime as a program that you're just really good defensively every year, you're always going to be great team like augustan and the cciw is that way. their identity is defense and they're always even when they're kind of figuring out young guys playing offense they're always good steven's point is so good defensively and they have this interchangeable parts thing like they did when they won that Mm -hmm. national championship where you looked at every guy individually and you said no one player is great but then every guy that gets on the floor is extremely good so I agree. Stevens Point looks good. Whitewater's a little bit under the radar. I, I, they've got a couple transfers. I think one Division I, maybe one NAI, and maybe missing one in there. But Whitewater has brought in some new talent. They they returned some really impressive talent. And Oshkosh, I'm a big fan of, of Oshkosh, uh, of the Titans, even though they lost that game at Wheaton. Um, they are so talented at every position. You know, Ben Boots is spectacular. So the WIAC is, uh, is loaded once again, as it <laughs> yeah. will
0: That's saying it lightly. Uh, And just because I know this comes up, I don't want to beat the dead horse. The investigation in Stevens Point is still ongoing three years later. It could be resolved at any point. Um, It is something we're keeping an eye on, but it's not something we're dwelling on. But I just know when we talk Wyack or I talk Stevens Point, I eventually get an email, a tweet, or a question about it. I'm just going to get that out of the way now. Um, The rest of the Central Region is certainly good. We'll talk more about that in the future, but I want to dive into the ARC. Because Nebraska Wesleyans are defending national champs. Loris has shown they're good. Simpson has now knocked off a top 25 team. And we talked with Chris Martin about that depth. And I know it was something that you have keyed on as well. This ARC is not our old <laughs> version of the IAAC, which maybe had one good team like a Buena Vista on occasion, but that was it.
2: Yeah, the the IIAC was always that league that, you know, like as a CCIW fan, you didn't want to get shipped over to play at Buena Vista or Wartburg because those were – whoever won the league was as good as anybody. Oh, absolutely. But you didn't have multiple. You certainly didn't have three great teams. No. And uh, you look at bringing nebraska Wrestling into that league and where their program is at right now. They won the national championship, so they're new. And Loris is the real deal. Like Mm -hmm. Loris – is as talented as anybody if you look at their talent one through five on the floor they're athletic they have a phenomenal guard and ruggles that can shoot from absolutely anywhere yeah. um, and they just have a lot of talent so they're the real deal i mean they're a top 10 team and then simpson mm-hmm. looking very good so far you mentioned that they have now uh, knocked off platteville mm-hmm. and uh, i think in those three teams you have a really impressive league and again now, is that league, is it like the wittenberg worcester Conference? Because usually that league is Witt Worcester, Ohio, Wesleyan, and then, yeah, who knows? Right. Um, so we'll see how that league evolves, but I think the ARC is here to stay as one of the, the best leagues in Division Three.
0: Yeah, earlier on I said I wasn't ready to necessarily dive it, you know, jumping into the top five. Top five is also a longevity thing. We've always talked about that. Like, I've been resistant to pull the ODAC out because over the long term, the ODAC has been so good. Though the last couple of years, admittedly, the ODAC hasn't been – at the top as good. It's still one of the deepest conferences. But on the flip side of that, I don't put the Mac Commonwealth into the top five, even though I think that from top to bottom, it is the most consistent and and ridiculously competitive conference, again, because that top doesn't necessarily rise to the occasion. It's that middle and top conversation that you constantly have. But the ARC is in this top 10 conversation now, Bob.
2: Mm-hmm. And that is
0: a long way in a couple of years.
2: It's kind of like the, the Michigan Intercollegiate Athletic yeah. association that when Hope and Calvin were clicking, when they were national powers, you would talk about the MIAA as one of the best leagues. Yeah. Now that both of those programs are not where they were, they're both good, they're not great, you would never talk about that league anymore as an elite league.
5: No. And so
2: no. you've got a lot of moving, a lot of in and out. And I think the ARC has made a case no. that, that that they're one of those top conferences.
0: Uh, a little bit more of a national scope. Whitworth and Whitman in the Northwest Conference, and, and you may even have a Linfield who's going to come to play there with with maybe some others. You've got the the NSCAC, who certainly looks like they're going to be deep, maybe good at the top with Williams and Hamilton and others. The, the, you got MIT and Springfield and the new Mac. You got a UAA that's kind of evolving from the old version of the UAA. There's a lot of interesting things going on, Bob, the, this year. And we haven't even talked about the Ohio conferences, like the NA, NCAC, OAC, uh, and some other places. We, there's a lot to keep track of now on any given Division Three night. I agree.
2: And all these leagues are kind of ebbing and flowing. If you look at the UAA, for example, right yeah. now, Emory is the favorite to win the UAA. But who's second? I, I believe that by the time, like, January comes around, that WashU will be very hard to beat. They have a couple young studs in, in Jack Nolan and Justin Hardy, and then they have other older guys and some younger around them. They're figuring it out. They pounded Carthage today. Yeah, they did. I think they're going to be good. Chicago's very talented. Chicago lost to Lake Forest. That surprised me a little bit. Chicago's good. And Rochester. So those four teams in the UAA, you look at the NESCAC, and you're trying to figure out there who the favorites are in the net. It looks like it's Williams right now. Um, but there's, yeah, we got Hamilton.
0: You got Middlebury. you right. got Wesleyan.
2: That league is really talented again. And you mentioned the Northwest Conference, certainly with the two W's at the top, right? Whitman and Whitworth. Um, there's a lot of things happening, and you can't you can't look at name brand and just say, oh, like that team's good, because there's to, there's too mm-hmm. many new conferences and new teams that are kind of standing up to say, hey, like Loris, yeah, like hey. We're a player now. Yeah. In the past, maybe you look at the name Loris, you say, well, I don't know who they are. Um, so you have to look at all these results and you have to really factor it all in.
0: Maybe an unfair question um, because there's so much has happened that it's maybe hard to stand out. But anything surprised you so far in what was unofficially the first month of the season?
2: Um, so far, I would say not terribly. Um, I, I'm not surprised by those teams that lost. I don't, Augustana losing at Loris to me was not a huge deal. Oshkosh losing at Wheaton was not a huge deal. Uh, Springfield dropping a couple games. Well, um, Ross is out. Know, yeah, th- those were those were some tough games. Of course, um, I think they were all on the road. Yes. Um, other than that, Dave, I don't. Nothing has really surprised me at this point. There's some teams that I had on my ballot that I feel good about. Like I had Marietta on my ballot. Mm-hmm. I had Lawrence on my ballot. I wish I had had Wheaton on my ballot. Um, <laughs> So there's some teams that are stepping up to say, "Hey, I feel good about where I had them placed, and then I made some mistakes on others." But it's it's been an awesome start, and there's just so many games played already here in late November. I think more than more than ever before.
0: Um, as a CCIW native, uh, they're going to need your your card back for not putting Wheaton on the bow, on the top 25.
2: You know, I felt bad about that. I did. I think I can't remember who my my last team in was. I think it was one of the MIAC teams. I don't know if it was Saint Olaf or who it was, but coming into the season, you know, Wheaton's so hard to pick because they're so dependent on one player, on Aston Francis. They have really good players around him, by the way. It's how those new those other players have stepped up, though. Like now, Wheaton to me functions as a team, whereas last year when Wheaton won games, I felt it was because Aston Francis scored 36 points. Yeah, So I wasn't sold on Wheaton as a team, and I am now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, I think I was the same way on Wheaton. I'm not sold because m- Francis was the reason they were in games. He, he still puts up a lot of shots, doesn't necessarily convert as many as you'd hope he does, but sometimes that's just a product of what it is. But you're right. I mean, watching that game, they beat Oshkosh. I sat there going, oh, there's there's him. Oh, there's there's him. Oh, there's other options here yeah, he's still going to put up his shots, but the rest of the team is stepping up. And I agree. It's, it's about changing your perception sometimes. Not that we go in with a predetermined notion, but it is sometimes you've watched teams enough, you get used to what you see, and now you're seeing something different.
2: I agree. I, I would just have everyone watch that kid play because there's not, there's not anyone else like him in Division Three. Brady Rose at Illinois Wesleyan you know, arguably is right there with him. He's right there. If you look at his field goal percentage and three point, like amazing. Yeah. But like the things that Aston Francis does, where he shoots from right. and the type of shots he takes, um, apples and oranges between him and Brady Rose. Yeah. But I would encourage people to watch Francis and to watch Brady Rose as well.
0: Um, Francis is one who's gonna put up shots more than he's gonna pass it, and that's not a knock, that's just his style. Rose is gonna pass it more than he's gonna necessarily shoot it. And then you got Ross when he comes back from injury at Springfield, who kind of seems a hybrid of both, depending on what's going on.
2: Ross was the most impressive young guy I saw last year. I mean, spectacular numbers when you look at what he did for them over the course of the season. So I look forward to him getting back and, and doing that again. You actually have a ton of great players. When You look at you know, the, the guard position.
3: Oh, geez.
2: You know, like I, you, look, you guys had a really tough thing trying to put that all American team together, and I, I, dabbed you guys on Twitter, like, hey, if Brady Rose is not an all American, I don't know what an all American is, but, but I, like, I went player by player, and I said, okay, that kid from Platteville's really good, and Ben Boots is really good, and Ruggles, and yeah, uh, the the talent at the guard position in particular is off the charts this year. It's insane there's just some really great guys that play the one, the two and the three.
0: I know you've, you've needed us on Twitter and it's fair game. I'm not, I, I laugh at it, but I appreciate that you went through it because one of the things I was going to say to you was go through it because I'm, I'll tell you right now, I wanted Rose on the team, but I also had 10 other guys I wanted on the team. And I kept going, well, where the heck am I going to put them? You know, like, Oh, it, there are so it's, many good guards it. in division three right now, which is a shame to the power positions. Cause I think, We've swung towards guards and have less big guys. I also think some coaches call some guys guards who aren't really guards, but we won't go into that. But there's so many good players, to, and they're fun to watch.
2: And it's just a preseason poll, right? That's why you yeah. know people like the preseason poll, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean anything. No. You know, I think Every player has a chance at the end of the year. Everyone wants to be on that final D3Hoops.com right. All-American team. And that's where everyone has a chance to put their best out there um, help their team win, have some great numbers, and let other people decide who's an all-American. And yeah. some kids care about that; other probably most don't. But I think more it's a it's a fan thing. The fans like to see their their guy there.
0: I don't disagree. I I say it this way: that the preseason one is more like, hey, here are guys we're watching. Right. These are guys that we think are going to have pre- probably pretty decent years. Doesn't mean we're not going to miss them. We're not going to miss a guy somehow. But and the end of the season are the ones who showed during their play of that season that they were the best in the country. The preseason one is these are guys who have played well and we think are going to have good seasons. The end of the season one is you played onto that team. And and to give a little bit of a behind the scenes, look at it. Sometimes when we talk about guys, um, and no one in particular, we say, I want to see him play himself onto the team. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I
2: think that's very fair. And, uh, it it matters to people. It matters to, I think fans and coaches who makes that final team. And, uh, you know the good thing is I don't think the players pay a ton of attention to it but it, it, it does make awesome conversation yeah some players do
0: anyway hey sir I appreciate you taking the time I I look forward to having you on a little bit more often this year um if you want I'll be up till 3 a.m eastern time if you want to fire notes going really what am i doing I might fire them at you you might be asleep and I apologize now to you um as always we give the, you the final guest or the guest the final thought any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in
2: well, my tradition, Dave, is this is usually where all the, the coaches and guests kiss your behind. Yeah, and so, I know. They love you. And so I just tell you that about once or twice a year we get that. That's the fine. And, uh, and I say I'm looking forward to an awesome season. As a as an Illinois Wesleyan fan, I'm excited about um, how talented the Titans are. As a CCIW fan, I'm excited about the games that are going to be played um, throughout December, January, February. And as a Division Three fan, all of this parody – makes for some awesome basketball watching. So yeah. uh, I look forward to joining you a lot this year, Dave, and uh, we're going to have a fun season here.
0: Absolutely well said. And, yeah, appreciate the lack of thanks. I don't need it from you every time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you, you know I love you.
0: I Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. I look forward to talking to you down the road.
2: All right, my friend. Take care. See you. Absolutely.
0: Bob Quillman joining us on the uh, Hoopsville Hotline via Skype. Appreciate him taking the time to do that and that's going to wrap up our show we lost a little bit of control structure wise with sam atkinson on but it was a great segment with him and i appreciate bob coming on at the end to kind of put a nice bow on things as well also want to thank chris martin for coming on and giving us his best Coldplay song not really that joke's just stuck in my head now uh but chris martin coming on to talk about loris's win over augustana i can tell you this much we can go through a long list of of guests we would want on um, regarding uh, upset victories this season. We already have a long list. do want to apologize. We didn't focus on women as much on this show. That's not uh, because you know, an oversight of any way. It's just the way the show kind of forced its, its molding a little bit. We'll, we'll make up for that to be sure. But as always, I want to thank the support of the WBCA, the NABC, with this program. I want to thank all of you who tuned in and participated. Thank you so much. And, of course, sports information directors, as always, for uh, helping us out, whether it was Jim at Loris, who helped us out certainly getting uh, Chris Martin on via Skype, or it was Sam Atkinson who actually walked himself, told himself to be in studio. It, It's helpful. Uh, for everybody out there, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. Now here's the deal. Stick with Twitter. Looks like we will not have a show this Thursday just because the amount of work I need to do this week with soccer championships and some other things going on But then we'll give you an update as to next Sunday's show, which will most likely be postponed to Monday. Stick with us on Twitter, at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Stick with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or for updates as to when our next shows will be. We'll even try and put out a mini schedule. Remember, though, we're not going to the football championships this year, so we're going to make up for a couple missed shows now by having a few extra shows in December that we don't normally have. So it all balances itself out, and we have plenty to talk about. And with that, we wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. You've been listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more in the future. You know how to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. A reminder, this is copyrighted by Hoopsville DMAC Productions and myself. If you'd like to reuse it, we would love to have you do it. But just check with us first so we can give formal um, permissions. That's it. Good night, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Oh. Drew says he tried to get on the D3 boards for the first time a month ago. I have not heard back from the boards to get approved. Any ideas? Drew, I'll check into it for you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night.